Happy's episode four already. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, and you? What's going on, man? Honestly, if I kind of a shitty day, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've had a shitty day. Uh, you ever uh, take darkroom photography in in college or high school? Never. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, it sucks. It's brutal. I've done the same goddamn project I did three or four times, and I'm about to pull my hair out trying to deal with it. My teacher's this old hag. She doesn't know what she's doing anymore, and it's just like I can't deal with it anymore. I'm glad to be on the show. And Do you want to know why I'm glad to be on the show, Chris? Why? Because I whooped your ass in picks this week. That's why. <laughs> I had a good week, boys. I, had I knew a you were good... going to say that. I had to. I knew you were going to say that. This is the first time I can actually sit here and brag to your face that I actually got more <laughs> uh, games right this week. I'm telling you, it feels great. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels phenomenal. Well, you know, that, that, that Rams game was a little... Uh, Chris, come on now. Uh, Chris, come on now. You know, that passing interference changed the whole dynamic of that game. It really did. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, before we get into anything further, thank you to our sponsor, bostonsbig3.com. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, check it out. A brand new website for the entire Boston's Big 3 network. We have the new guys pod. We have Boston's Big 3 itself, Stafford and Matthews, and a couple more on the way, a little bit more on that uh, as we go along here. But check it out. Great line of merch coming up right now. Cam dudes all over the page right now. A lot of interesting stuff coming down the line as well. A new um, line of Patriots t-shirts coming out as well. So keep your eye on bostonsbig3.com. Now that the boring is out of the way, we had a great week of football, Chris, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. It was a good week. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, I thought I had, I had a good time too. Starting on Thursday night though, wasn't a great start for us in our picks. Jaguars and Dolphins. Final score, 31-13. Miami takes it, and Ryan Fitzpatrick adds to his resume as the best September quarterback of all time. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I, I really thought that Minshew Mania would have uh, done better, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that luck has ran out. I'm about to say, maybe not, and maybe so. We don't really – we need a more sample size, I think. Take it week by week yeah, now. Yeah, I, and, and, and to think that it was against Miami. Now, like, I'm, str- I'm struggling to pick between uh, a defense to go against Miami or a defense to go against the Jets. I don't know which one to pick for uh, my fantasy. To I'll be. tell you right now, it's the Jets because Sam Donald is looking <laughs> horrific as ever. And, and, and it's embarrassing because my buddy, my buddy Trevor, my roommate, is a huge Jets fan, and we ragging him all the time. And eventually, like, it's only, what, three weeks in the season, four weeks in the season. And we've already broken him. Like, I went yeah. to make fun of him the other day, and he was just like, yeah. Like, he was just, like, depressed about it. I'm like, yeah, it's all right. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not even watching football anymore. He's not. He was doing some homework <laughs> on Sunday, so that'll tell you a lot. Uh, but getting yeah. into the game here, Miami and Jacksonville. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a great day, 18 of 20, 160 yards and two touchdowns. But on the ground, seven rushes and 38 yards and a touchdown, too, with a wild juke in the middle of the field. What did you see from Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins this week? Man, the guy has still got it. He he's he's showing you that you know age is nothing but a number, and that as long as you stay healthy and you 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 uh, keep on eating your greens, you'll be able to stay out there. I agree, and he actually recently came out, I think today, and said Buffalo was his favorite NFL city. Buffalo. That's that's. Uh... That's pretty crazy. I wouldn't have never guessed that, but okay. He's playing in Miami right now. Well, why wouldn't you want to be there? Why wouldn't you want to be there? That's what I'm saying. Like, why would you want to go back to Buffalo? Like, I don't understand. I would never said that. I know. I know. I know. As a as a organization, they probably have to look at that. Like, okay. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> something right, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, but going back into this game here, Devontae Park had a great game as well. Five receptions yes, for 69 did. yards, no touchdowns. But honestly, a great day, a great uh, game for uh, the big wideout in Miami. Another big guy, though, Mike Gusecki, one catch, only 15 yards and a touchdown, though. He's transforming into the one of the better, the better red zone targets in the NFL. Yes, he is. And that's saying a lot when you have Kittles and, and, and uh, Kelsey and them, you know, even though they're, they're, they're hurt, but, you know, he's doing, he's doing his job. He's being a great professional at, uh, at his job right now. 100%. And going to the other side of the football here for Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew struggled. 30 of 42 passing, 275 yards in the air in an interception, no touchdowns. Minshew Mini looked off today or on Thursday. I think he can bounce it back a little bit, but it's kind of weird because I'm getting this little inkling here that Jacksonville's GM is smiling ear to ear about it. And that really pisses me off because mm-hmm. I hate, I think it's ethically, it's wrong to want to tank your season. I think it's very, very wrong. I hate that line of thinking. I understand you need to rebuild, but to intentionally gut your team and make sure you lose more games is so disrespectful to every single guy and every coach on that roster. And I hate that line of thinking. I really hope, and I said this before on the, on the preseason power rings here, I think Gardner Minshew will win one game enough so they don't get Trevor Lawrence just to say, fuck you to that GM and that owner in Jacksonville because I really think it's despicable what they're doing to that team down there. Absolutely. It's not, it's not, it's not something that is even ethical. You know, at this point, at this point in time, we're only, we're only going into week three and you're already trying to tank the season. Uh, I would lose, I would lose all respect for, for a GM like that uh, just to go out to go to just to go out to go get a player. I mean, I understand that, you know, the guy is an amazing talent, but you know, we, we still have a, we still have family to feed, you know, people out there that are depending on, you know, games to be won, uh, you know, to see a certain person out there to, 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 to shine and things like that. And, and to actually get new contracts. Uh, so, you know, for you to just to tank a season and, and not, you know, care about what's going on is, is absolute disgrace. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's uncalled for at, uh, at all the way around. And things are getting very loose in Duval anyway because there's been rumors floating around for years now that their owner wants to move into England, wants to move into Britain. And it's like, well, first of all, you're going to tank the season. You're going to gut your entire roster, especially on the defensive side. And then you're going to talk about moving to to, to England in a different fucking country? Are you kidding me? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why do they still have fans? Like, I don't understand. Well, you know, it's deeply rooted. You know, at one point in time, they were okay, so... I can see why they have their fans, but other than that, yeah, the move that's not going to happen. I don't, I don't believe that that's going to happen. You know, the NFL has been trying so, so long to try to uh, grab fans overseas and, you know, sending players out there and teams to, 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 to grab, you know, to grab more team, um, to grab more fans, and it's, you know, it's just not working. You know, uh, they got to find something else to. Uh, to grab those fans, you know, they didn't start looking at uh, the NBA. The NBA is doing a great job at uh, picking up fans all across the world. But right now, that's not, that, that's just not a good look. I haven't seen, I didn't see not one NBA team tank a season just to get fans overseas. I agree with you 100% there. Going back to the game in Jacksonville here, James Robinson, who continues to have a great season, 11 carries, 46 yards, and a couple scores on the ground. That's 4.2 yards a carry. Not bad for the young player out of Jacksonville. was not enough to help him to a W tonight. Uh, On the receiving end, James Robinson also actually had six receptions for 83 yards, no scores, but six targets. Cut all of his passes there. 
he's looking like a very dynamic weapon in this offense, and I'm very interested to see him down the line, especially if Jacksonville starts winning some games. Your guy Keenan Cole, four receptions for 43 yards, no scores. Overall, it was a bad day in Duval County. We're going to move on here, but any last thoughts on this game? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't have anything else going on. We, we, we've expressed too much on you. Hundred percent. Um, going to the first game on the schedule here, Houston and Pittsburgh. Final score twenty-eight twenty-one in favor of Big Ben and the Steelers. Close game all around. Our guy Randall Cobb opens the game up with a bang with a thirty-plus yard touchdown. And I really thought, hey, Houston's gonna get their first win of the year. I'm so excited for Deshaun Watson, all of them down to Houston. And then Pittsburgh slowly comes back and it grinds and it grinds until the very end of the game where Pittsburgh takes the lead. And it's honestly disheartening because I love this Houston offense. I love it. We talked about it with Randall Cobb here. Absolutely. The number of guys they brought in from different backgrounds. I mean, such a culturally diverse room. I really thought it would explode. And so far it has it. And mostly because of the defensive side of the football. That defense is letting Deshaun Watson down as well. And that's the reason why, you know, your guy Earl Thomas has been talking uh, to Houston Texans about working out. It was actually put on hold recently due to COVID concerns, maybe some other concerns as well. But another, you know, name to keep in your back pocket there, Earl Thomas could be on his way to Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sucks that they're 0-3 right now. Uh, you would think that, uh, you know, paying D-Watt all that money, uh, you, would see, uh, you would see a lot of change uh, in that offense, which it is a little bit to an extent. Um, but, yeah, the defense is not doing so well. Um, I feel like J.J. Watt has to uh, figure out a way to uh, regenerate his career right now. You know, he's, he's living off of what he did back in the day, which by all means it's a Hall of Fame career. But, you know, right now they need, they need people to step up, especially in that secondary. 100%. And I'm going to quote you here. You said it a million times in this podcast. What have you done for me lately? That's the NFL's mentality. What have you done for Absolutely. me lately? And lately, J.J. Watt has not been all that phenomenal. He's been injury prone. He's been average at best on the field. And that's all I'm going to say about it. J.J. Watt, yep. show me what you can do right now. Absolutely. He's a great professional uh, on and off the field, but pro you know, product productivity is the uh, is the name of the game and so if you're not doing that i don't understand why uh you know he's still there i mean but you know that's a couple there's a couple of people that's out there in the nfl right now that's you know that's have hall of fame careers but they're not actually producing any at all right now well i think it's a leadership thing as well he's a big locker room guy for that yeah, organization yeah, yeah. And, and it's you need a leader in locker room when you have bill o'brien as your head coach as well that's all I'm going to say on the matter. <laughs> going to the stats here in analytics, Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, 23 of 36 for 237 mm. yards and a couple scores. Big Ben is shaking the rust off, and he's looking very dangerous with a phenomenal Absolutely. defense behind him. So keep Absolutely. your eyes on Pittsburgh down the line here. James Conner added 109 yards on 18 carries and a score, 6.1 yards a carry. The Houston defense just could not contain the run today. No, you know, and it's and it's crazy to me because you know all you know all jokes aside, I really do like uh, John Connor. I mean James Connor, but he's a down he's a downhill runner, and it's not it's not like he's cutting or making people miss or things like that. He's he's not he's not the biggest he's not the biggest running back out there. So I don't understand how you know they're not being able to uh, lay the wood on him, but uh, he's doing he's doing his job. And you know overall Pittsburgh is just you know that's the type of team that they are. They're a tough, scrappy. Uh, hard-nosed team and you know that was a true testament to their game this past week yeah I have a question for you too coming from a, a former NFL perspective here okay. do you think City 
influence the type of football that their teams play. For instance, you see LA teams typically have flashier offenses and less last locker defense. You see teams like New England in the early 2000s with these hard-nosed, gritty defenses. You see it right now with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh embodies that mentality through their entire city. Blue-collar, blue-kind of workers. Absolutely. Do you think that city mentality influences how teams build their, their rosters? It absolutely does. And I've been saying this for the longest. Uh, you know, teams that are in these, um, you know, in these certain uh, market, you know, market-friendly uh, cities like L.A. and uh, Las Vegas, Miami, you know, teams like that, New York, it's hard for them to, it's hard for them to uh, figure out what their, what their core mantra is because there's so much going on in their city where, the, you know, you have superstars, you know, rightfully so, who is trying to make money off the field. But, you know, it's taken away from the team because then you're looking at, you know, the top guys, you know, he, he's going out and having commercials and doing things like that. Then, you know, you have the second tier and the third tier who guys who honestly, who, are probably wanting to do the same thing or, or is doing the same thing. And so it's just too much going on in certain cities where I just don't uh, think, you know, teams should be at, but you know, Hey, you know, it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I've always said that Vegas team is not going to work. I don't, I don't believe it at all. They, they look good, but I don't believe it at all. Mm-hmm, 100%. Going back to the game here. My guy, Booger McFarland Jr., Anthony McFarland, Booger McFarland's kid, six carries, 42 yards on the ground, seven yards a carry. I love this kid at the combine. While he's not great in the open field yet, his speed is unbelievable. His, sh- his shiftiness is great. His hip work is un- impeccable. I mean, if a safety wants to read you by your hips, he's going to make you miss. And that's the most, that's the deadliest quality any running back can have because the number one thing these safeties and cornerbacks look at when they're attacking you in, in, the, in the second level here is your mm-hmm. hips. You can't go anywhere without your hips, but he's deceptive with it. I love how he runs the football. I wish the Patriots picked him up during the draft. He actually dropped to the fourth round, I think. Yeah, but, he, but did, go, he did. Yeah, going to the receiving here. Eric Ebron led the day for Pittsburgh. Five receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. Picking up where he left off on that indie offense, Eric Ebron looks very good in this offense as well. Juju Smith-Schuster had four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown uh, to add on to that score here. And James Conner actually had four receptions for 40 yards as well. Mm-hmm. This team looks very well-rounded to me. It looks solid. It looks complete. I think it's the best way to describe what they're doing right now. And Mike Tomlin might win coach of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if you did. Got it? Actually, I'll, I'll go with you on that one. I'll actually go I'll go out of the limb with you on that. He's doing an amazing job over there. And they, you know, they they built uh they built a core nucleus where guys are just, you know, so invested in these um, you know, in, the, in this group of uh, leaders that they have out there. Every you know, everybody is looking up to them uh, and they're actually proving it on the field which is a big thing, you know, you can't just be all talk, you know, you have to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. And that's exactly what they're doing. So Mike Tomlin is doing a great job of keeping those guys together. They believe in, uh, they're believing in one another. And they're going to be a definitely, they're definitely going to be a scary team in the playoffs. And, and I don't want to, you know, make it all about myself here, but I think coming from myself saying that, I think means more to me than Harry, you say it, because I've been a huge critic of Mike Tomlin for the past mm-hmm. five, six years. I think he's been kind of a fraud. I don't think he's been elite as people have described him. I think his Super Bowls were kind of handed to him a little bit on his earlier career here. But I had a turnaround last year after seeing Pittsburgh start, how horrific they were last season. And then he makes a trade for Micah Fitzpatrick, and they win, I think, seven games to finish the year. My respect for Mike Tomlin started last year. And it's only heightened at this point. Remember, I'm only 20 years old. So I've had a very 
coming when I was probably 16, I'd say 16 or 15, that's when I started actually paying attention to football, understanding the game, understanding the scheme, mm-hmm. understanding how you build your roster. So that kind of criticism came from my dad, I think, a lot too. But I will say for myself, I can restrict Mike Tomlin last year, and now I'm you know, considering him as the upper echelons of coaching right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. I've been sold on Mike Tomlin since the day he got there. You know, he's going to have to work through, you know, a couple, you know, a couple players that, you know, didn't necessarily was gelling together, especially when he had, uh, you know, the three Bs on his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep that together when, you know, you have so many super, you know, Three, three top superstars right. uh, trying to mesh well together, and it, and it just wasn't working at that time. But I felt like he did the, you know, the right thing, even though you know, I'm a huge uh, Antonio Brown fan. Uh, but he had to do what he had to do. Uh, the Steelers moved on, and it doesn't look like they're you know, missing a step right now. Maybe we should have AB on the podcast. What do you think about that? <laughs> Write it down. Yeah, Get a pen. Go Let's go for that. Get him out there. Yeah, A B to ride the wave. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he'll be I'm pretty sure he'll be great on the TV right now. I think he'd be great on the TV too. Let's bring him in. Why not? Here we go. Why Houston. Not? Other side of the football here. Deshaun Watson was 19 of 27 for 264 yards, two scores, and an interception. Not a great game for D Watt. Not a lot of help, I think, around him. Your boy David Johnson had a bad day as well. 13 carries for 23 yards total and a touchdown. A grizzly 1.8 yards a carry. And what can Deshaun Watson do without a solid running game to propel his, his offense? Well, I mean, it, I think you have to go back to the Steelers. You know, the Steelers is just a really good defensive team. Uh, you know, they're, they're very sound, you know, especially on the D-line with Bud Dupree leading the charge out there and, uh, you know, just causing a havoc in the backfield. Um, it's just hard for, you know, hard for teams to, 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 uh, to run on, you know, to run on a defense like that. But, you know, we've already talked about the, you know, we already talked about Houston in our offensive line and how fickle they are. So uh, yeah. we need, we need to go ahead and just write them to the side. You know, it's hard. It's, this is going to be, this is going to be a little wash year for, for Houston, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right there. Receiving on the day, though, our boy Randall Cobb, four receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. After making fun of himself, I will say, for only having 22 yards in the opener, has almost a 100-yard game, uh, two games removed from there. Shout-out to Randall Cobb, great guy. Listen to the episode if you haven't listened to it yet, 1.5. Absolutely, and I, told, and, I, and I was telling you guys, you know, I had the inside scoop on that. I knew that he was going to come out balling. Nobody wanted to believe me. All my, all my buddies in the back, in the back, wouldn't they? Would anyone to believe me about Randall Cobb? You know, they thought he was washed up, but you can't be washed up when you're out there balling like that. I'm about to say you are a hundred percent right on that one. Going to the next game on the docket here, and this was so disappointing for me. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles hand us the first tie of the NFL season, 23-23. to 23. If Joe Burrow had any semblance of an offensive line, he would be undefeated right now. And that pisses me off because he's showing everything you're supposed to see from rookie quarterback. He's showing intangibles. He's showing leadership. He's showing the clutch factor. And his team is letting him down. And it's pissing me off. Get this dude some help. Make a trade at the deadline. Get him something to work with. Because what you have in Joe Burrow, you cannot possibly mess up. If you put things around him to help him out, he will win you football games. He has had the Bengals in position to win the game all three games this year. All three. 
Absolutely. If he had Absolutely. any semblance of a line or any semblance of a competent defense, he would be 3-0. and I am the biggest Joe Burrow stand you will ever find. I think he has the clutch factor in the clutch gene, and I cannot wait to see what Joe Burrow will do in the future with a functional organization and a lot of weapons around him. Well, I just think that, uh, you know, history has showed that uh, Cincinnati is not a uh, up-to-date organization. Uh, they live in the past, uh, and they, they, they hold on to things a little bit longer than they should. You know, a couple, a couple players that I feel like should be gone by now um, and, just start, and just start fresh, you know, especially when you get a, a, a quarterback like Joe Burrows. This guy is out here is being, you know, is doing ridiculous things. He's almost, honestly, there was one play that he almost actually looked just like uh, 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 Lamar Jackson, where he ran out to the right and spent off of a guy and made a, a precision throw down it, the It reminded me of Russell Wilson, actually, a little bit as well. You think so? You can go with him, too. Either one, it, you can't go wrong with it. He's showing you that he is – that elite quarterback and that he needs help. Uh, that defense, whew, boy. Uh, anybody that's going up against that defense, they should be licking their chops because that's a stat game for them. 100%. You're going to the stats here. Joe Burrow was 31 of 44. He passes so damn much in this offense. This is back-to-back weeks of 44-plus uh, attempts in the air for Joe Burrow. That's a lot on a young arm right there. 31 of 44. 312 yards, two scores, and no interceptions. That's the key right there. Joe Mixon added 49 yards on the ground on 17 carries for a 2.9 yards a carry. I attribute that more to the offensive line this game more than anything. I think Fletcher, exactly. Co- I think Fletcher Cox ruined this offensive line uh, last week here. But granted, Joe Burrow needs some help from the run game as well. So we need to see some, some better uptake for the offensive line and for Mixon specifically. In the receiving time. Tyler Boyd, 10 receptions, 125 yards, no scores, but a great day um, for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, receiver right there. And the surprise of the day, rookie T. Higgins, second rounder, five receptions, 40 yards, and two scores. What did you see from the former Clemson receiver? I've seen an amazing talent. The guy is is very very good at – attacking the ball and keeping his eyes down, you know, keeping his eyes on the ball when he's trying to make those tough catches. Um, you know, he is, he is an okay route runner, I, you know, but that, you know, that will come over time as, you know, as time goes on and during the off season, he'll be able to work out with certain people and, you know, be able to hone in on his skills. But overall, his, his future has been definitely bright. Yeah, it's cool like hearing that from you as well because I hear all these jamokes on TV ranking these guys and criticizing these guys that either they haven't played in 30 years or they um, are just not football players in general. So it's nice seeing a yeah. veteran who's recently retired to kind of like take us through this game, which is another reason you should subscribe to us. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, we have the best insight in the game right here. Well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people need to understand that, you know, coming off the, coming off the, uh, the field – and going straight into uh, podcasting is definitely a great thing. I love it. I love being with this guy right here. And, you know, of course, uh, Tony Romo is showing that, is proving that as well with, uh, with his uh, broadcasting that he does. And, you know, he's calling out the plays before, he, before, the, uh, uh, before the ball is even snapped. So, you know, you can only get greatness from here. I'm saying. That's anyway, I'm saying. exactly. Uh, ESPN, pick us up. Anyway. 
Philadelphia, Carson Wentz, 29 of 47 for 225 yards, a touchdown and two picks. What in the world is going on with Carson Wentz in this Philadelphia Eagles offense? No help. He, is, he doesn't have no help. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say this because, you know, my guy, my guy D Jack is out there and he's, you know, trying his hardest, but you know, when you, when you don't have any help, it's hard. It's hard. He, he can't throw, he can't throw the ball and catch the ball at the same time. Um, you know, you see me, you're talking about, you still have Alshon Jeffries is hurt. Um, you know, that guy right there used to be uh, a top player, especially when he was paired with uh, Brandon Marshall. Mm -hmm. Those guys used to go down the field all the time and make spectacular plays. But now he's just, you know, he's constantly hurt. And there's just not a good look right now. And, you know, they probably they, – they, well, it's not even a problem. They have to revamp that offense if they want to give Carson Wentz a chance or if they're just going to move on with Car from, uh, from Carson Wentz because that's, that's definitely possible as well. And that's going to be a big storyline coming down the, the stretch here, especially if the, if the Eagles can't string together a couple wins in a row here. It will be the question, is Carson Wentz worth the money we're paying him? Because he's, he's mm -hmm. taken up, I think, 30, I think 35% of the entire cap. Mm -hmm. Is that worth it if you're going 0-2-1 to start the year? I'm not so sure. But I like the point you said about his help. Let's go down the list of his receivers right here. Greg Ward, he kind of broke out last year, so he's kind of a recognizable name, right? Mm -hmm. Zach Ertz, obviously one of the best tight ends in the league. But after that, Deontay Burnett. Nope. John Hightower. Nope. Boston Scott. Nope. Deshaun Jackson only had two only had four targets for two catches and eleven yards. I mean, yeah. when you when you don't have the depth to work your offense, you don't have any offense yeah. at all. Yeah. Granted, he had a great run game going on with Miles Sanders, who's actually breaking out this year, even though his team sucks. 18 mm -hmm. carries, 95 yards, no scores, but a 5.3 yards a carry right there. I'm a big Miles Sanders guy. And he's kind of being overshadowed right now in this offense because of how poorly the defense is performing in general. But I will say, he's an electrifying player to watch. And without Saquon Barkley in the NFC East, he might be the best running back in the NFC East. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I know what you're going to say. Ezekiel Elliott, right? I know what you're going to say. Yeah, Ezekiel, right? exactly. Exactly. I know what you're going to say, right? can't just brush past him. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay my case here right now. And I said okay. might. I didn't, say, I didn't say he was definitive. I'm, I'm going to stay my case, though. Yeah, okay. The Dallas, Cow the Dallas Cowboys, top three offensive line in the NFL. Mm -hmm. False or fiction? Right there. That's correct. That's it's correct. True. It's definitely it's true. true. I, I said that wrong. My bad. Anyway, that's true. Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz is right now. True or false? Dak Prescott? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. The Cowboys have a better receiving core, one of the best receiving cores in the league compared to the Eagles. Yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So every conceivable factor in the offense goes to the Cowboys in terms of advantages. Yeah, okay. Ezekiel Hellett has the world by the balls right now because he I has a good going. quarterback, he has the mm -hmm. best receiving core in the league, and he has an elite offensive line. What does Miles Sanders have? He has Carson Wentz going 29 of 47 for 225 yards and two turnovers. He has his best receiver going for two catches and 11 yards. He has his team going 0-2-1, and, and he has his offensive line in shambles, who have eight sacks in the season opener. Mm -hmm. If you put Miles Sanders on that Dallas Cowboys offense, what does he do? I would say, I would argue at least, he performs similarly, if not better, than Ezekiel Elliott does. Sometimes I just wonder if you're just saying stuff just to say stuff, <laughs> because... 
this is total blasphemy <laughs> that you are sitting here saying that Miles Sanders is better than Ezekiel Elliott. Am I hearing this right? Am I? Let me, let me cut this up. Let me cut this up. Are you are you saying that right now, Joe? Like, are you saying that? I can't believe you can't you can't be. We can't be putting disrespect on 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 a pro bowler, a consistent pro bowler at that. The guy put feed me on his belly for a reason. You can't just put that on there and 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 not produce. He's producing. So Miles Sanders, I get it. I get it. He's he is a really good running back, but when it comes down to elite talent, he's not going past Ezekiel Elliott. No, no shot. You can't get that past me. Chris, I want to thank you because I just baited you into a Stephen A. soundbite, and I wanted it. I wanted you to yell at me. <laughs> I love it. I'm playing Max Kellerman right now. I love it. I love it. Back to the game, though. Uh, to finish out here, Greg Ward led the Eagles offense here with eight receptions for 72 yards and a score on 11 targets. He's looking good. Overall, this Eagles offense is looking very, very poor. At the end of the day here, the Bengals and Eagles, Joe Burrow should have won this game. His defense let him down once again. He should be undefeated. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's kind of sickens me to my stomach, the fact that Bengals are not helping him in any way, shape, or form. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, you know, it's part of football. It's going to keep going. Uh, I know. Maybe next year they, they might get somebody. They might trade up and uh, pick up pick – up, uh, what's old buddy from um, – from uh, the uh, from 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 uh, the from from the bull. I'm from the from the bulldogs. What's his name? I've done my scouting yet, Chris. You haven't? Oh, okay. All right, we'll say that for another segment. Then. We'll say that for another what they should do is straight up for an elite offensive lineman. That's what they should do. Absolutely. That's all I'm gonna say. Absolutely. That's all I'm gonna say. They, but need, to, to, they need to. They need to not even draft nobody else but offensive linemen for like the first three rounds. I'm with you. I'm with you. Getting to a game that'll make you severely happy. The San Francisco 49ers laid a wallop on the New York Giants, 36 to nine, with literally nobody. Nobody. With literally nobody. And it you was, were going against us. I could have been out there for the Niners on Sunday. I would have won the game. It was unbelievable. Nick Mullins, 25 of 36 for 343 yards and a touchdown. No turnovers. That's the key to the game, as you've said so many times before. On the ground, it was a group effort there. Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, three rushes, 31 yards and a touchdown. Jarek McKinnon, 14 carries for 38 yards and a touchdown. And Jeffrey Wilson, 12 carries, only 15 yards, but also added a score here. And receiving, Brandon Ayuk leads the way again. Five receptions for 70 yards, no scores, but a great day overall for the rookie. What did you see from the Niners who were decimated with injury? That Jared McKinnon is a really good running back. You know, in the past, he's had injuries where, you know, rightfully so you would be concerned with the knee. But, you know, I feel like as time was going on and, you know, most are still being out that, you know, they're going to start stepping up his, uh, his, his, I mean, his touches. Uh, throughout the year until most of gets back, but he's going to be a solid running back. And, you know, our quarterback, uh, he's did, he did a good job, but just scoring one touchdown in the air, uh, you need a little bit more from that, but I'm pretty sure as time goes on, we'll get better with that as well. I don't mean to piss you off again, Chris, but I think you just played the Jimmy Garoppolo role. He managed the game, let the run game do what it's supposed to do. And they won the game based off that. 
you just keep coming for my guys, man. I don't understand why we keep proving you wrong. This is another week where we don't have anybody out there and we still win the game. Proving me wrong. It was against us. It was against a, it was against a subpar a subpar team, but still. It's still an NFL. It's still professionals who are the best of the best, and we went out there and proved it right. We went out there and proved you wrong. But I picked the game. I picked the 49ers. I, I know you did, but you always talk about my 49ers. I talk about I talk okay. I talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. You, you see this? Do you see this on my head? San yep. Fran. This might be for baseball, but it's still about my 49ers. But I talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't talk about the team as a whole. Let's remember no, that. No, no, you definitely talk about about my about my quarterback and my team. Period. Brandon, run the tape. We gotta we gotta go back and run the tape. We'll listen right, to this right, afterwards. Right. Run the tape. Run it. I don't know if I was right or wrong because we don't have live video coverage here. But well, I guess we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, Daniel Jones, who I actually have a lot of respect for because he had a lot of offseason work. Lost his running back Saquon Barkley early in the year. Lost Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton's been kind of banged up as well. He has quite literally nothing to work with. He went 17 of 32 for 179 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. But I will say, out of all the quarterbacks who are losing games so far this year, think about guys like Kirk Cousins. Think about guys like uh, even Daniel Jones right now. Think about guys, Carson Wentz. Daniel Jones has shown me. Exactly. Daniel Jones has shown me so far this season, he's the best losing quarterback in the NFL right now. <laughs> he is. He's the best losing quarterback in the NFL right now, outside of Joe Burrow. And I will say yeah. that because if you actually sit down and watch this football game from start to finish, he makes veteran throws, he runs when he Absolutely. needs to run, and he's Absolutely. smart with the football. And that's all you need to do to be successful as an NFL quarterback. But without a run game, without help, without an offensive line that's capable of protecting you, you can't do your job. So I feel terrible for Daniel Jones. And I do understand, I know what you're going to say here, I'm making excuses for him. And I am. And I'm saying that from a biased point of view, and I'll admit that right now, because I want to see Daniel Jones succeed, because I believe in the type of player he can be when given the right amount of weapons. Daniel Jones has given me a strong feeling of Drew Brees before he ended up going to the Saints. That's what it's looking like to me, because when Drew Brees was with the Chargers, they weren't. They weren't doing much of anything right there. Uh, but when he moved on, he had a new he had a new life, you know, new people around him, a new city to 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 take hold of. I think Daniel Jones just he might need another team to embrace him where he can be able to prosper. That's an interesting thought right there, because he's only a, he's only a sophomore, he's only his second year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he has two years, probably actually, no, three years because he's a first-round pick, three years under contract now. Yes. But on the horizon, maybe you're right. Maybe you are into something here. Maybe he does need to change the scenery to be the elite quarterback that I believe he can be in the right system. So that's an interesting thought. It is. It is. And, you know, of course, you know, with the teams, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to make some moves, especially with Saquon being hurt. And he's honestly, in my eyes, is the face of the team, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Sometimes that, you know, a little bit, that's a little crazy saying that a running back is more valuable to a team than the quarterback, but that's what it looks like right now. But it's no fault against Daniel Jones. It's, 
it's just the dynamic of what's been going on and how the organization runs. I don't even think it's a hot take anyway. I mean, look at guys like Adrian Peterson who carried organizations on his back for years. Like, it's not, it's not a yes. crazy thought. Even Barry Sanders, even Walter Payton. We're going back a little bit in the history books here, but it's not, it's not an uncommon thought to understand running backs as a face of a franchise. So I'm with you there 100%. Going back to the, the stats here, though, Daniel Jones actually led the way running as well. A terrible, terrible way for Devontae Freeman in his debut. Freeman had five carries for 10 yards and no scores. Daniel Jones, on the other hand, had five carries for 49 yards, no scores, but 9.8 yards a carry. Like we said before, I don't want to get repetitive here, but Daniel Jones cannot do this all by himself. The Giants need to get him some help. Hopefully, Devontae Freeman, you know, takes this week to dive deeper into the playbook to give him some more freedom to play calling and give Daniel Jones just some relief. He needs relief. He needs some Tylenol. He needs something Absolutely. to help. Some Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, no, get Ocho to send him some. I'm not, I'm not worried about uh, Devontae Freeman. Uh, he's a proven player. As long as he stays healthy, you know, another week in uh, with, uh, with the playbook. Uh, I'm sure he'll do fine next week. And I, I wonder here, because Joe Judge is a former New England guy, and he's worked with Deion Lewis before. Deion Lewis signed with the Giants in the offseason here. He only yeah. had three targets for a catch and 10 yards. Yeah. Now, I have a big problem with that, because if Saquon Barkley's out, he's your main offense. Most teams go to screens. They go to, they go to play action. They go to these short slants and stuff. This is where Deion Lewis thrives. Why isn't Joe Judge making sure that Deion Lewis is incorporated in this offense? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because you have Darius Slayton, who's kind of beat up. He's playing through injury. You have Sterling Shepard, your guy, your proclaimed guy, who's been out with injuries on the IR right now. Golden Tate has been, has been doing really nothing so far this season. And Evan Engram has been a, a, mystery, a mystery block here. So yeah, why maybe, is he maybe Jerry Lewis Jones? Maybe Jerry Jones was telling us, telling us a lot, uh, telling us something about uh, Jason Garrett over there. Maybe he was. Jason Garrett, you're on the hot block again, buddy. You're on the hot seat again. And, and I think he gets a break here because of Saquon's injury here. But if it happens again next year, he's out of the NFL. He should have been out of the, out of the NFL a long time ago too. But that's just, that's just my opinion here. Going to the next game here, the Raiders and the Patriots. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Chris, did you pick the Raiders last week? I did. You I did. did. I did. Ugh. I, just, I, <laughs> I tried to tell you. Fines. He sorry, dropped I'm his sorry. phone. Your phone can't believe it either. I tried to tell you. <laughs> Cam I'm Newton sorry. is unfreaking believable. Cam Newton is going to win comeback player of the year. Cam Newton is competing with this team that has Buffalo in the same goddamn division and might actually pull the division out. Nobody saw this coming except Patriots fans in general because anytime Bill Belichick makes a move of this kind of caliber, it works out. Well, you still got to get past the Bills, so I don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm getting ahead of myself as a Patriots fan. But, you but, are. but even going back out of my bias here, just look at the stats. Cam Newton, right? 17 or 28. Still not showing me he's an elite passer yet, but he showed me in Seattle on Sunday Night Football. So I have less of a problem with that now. 17 of 28, 162 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The pick was kind of iffy, did not like seeing that. It was yeah. kind of a kind yeah. of a yeah, we're gonna kind of shake that off here. On the ground, added 27 yards on nine carries. But the story of the day, I think, was Sony Michelle. Nine carries, 117 yards, and no scores. And I shit on Sony Michelle a lot because I do I and do, he should have had a score. He just needs, you know, he, yo, you know, and you're he right. A little bit. 
no, get them afterburners going because he had one where he bust for like 45 yards, and I really felt like he should have scored that. Oh, no, I agree with you there. But here's the reason why Sonny Michelle did so well if you, if you missed the game. You're just hearing the, kind of the recap here from us. Rex Burkhead, that's his name. Six carries, 49 yards, two scores, also added a score on a screen receiving. Yep. Sonny Michelle feels legitimately threatened. And you know what? He should. Because Rex Burkett outperformed him up until he decided to have a couple of big, uh, big kind of home run yards here. J.J. Taylor had 11 carries and 43 yards. The rookie, the undrafted rookie out of Arizona. You have guys like even Isaiah Zuber, the receiver, who had more impressive plays than Sony Michelle prior to this game. Sony Michelle knows that he's the odd guy out in the stable at this moment and shows that he, he, he can still play elite kind of football in this game. But let's keep in mind here, Week three IR is kind of starting to kind of swirl here. Damian Harris, the former Alabama running back, is coming off IR with a finger injury. If you don't know who Damian Harris is, he split carries with Josh Jacobs at Alabama. He stops Josh Jacobs from being a full-time running back in college. What is Josh Jacobs in the NFL? An elite running back. What is Damian Harris going to be? We don't know yet, but I guarantee you he's going to give Sony Michelle a run for his money. This, to me, Shows me that Sony Michelle is scared and that he's now playing his ass off in order to make sure he's solidified on this roster moving forward. Yeah, I don't know about playing scared, but he's definitely has his eyes out on him. Um, you know, anytime you're out there on the field and you see somebody that's, uh, that they just bring in and uh, he's at your position, you, you, you have a certain feeling. It's not that you want to wish bad on them or wish ill on them or anything like that, but it definitely is something that you keep your eye on. And, you know, hopefully he can just brush that right on off and uh, continue on next week and have another really good game and actually get, a, get in the end zone. 100%. I'm with you there. Going to receiving here. Guess who led in receptions? Rex freaking Burhead. Seven receptions for 49 yards and a touchdown as well. He just had an overall great game. And this is the danger of running back by committee because you can't game plan around it defensively. You can't do it because you don't know what running back they'll attack you with. Rex Burkett can run and he can catch. James White can catch. Sonny Michelle can run. Damian Harris, we don't know what he can do yet, but he can do both, I'm going to argue. So when it comes to game planning for the New England Patriots, if you spend too much time game planning on any running back, you're going to lose. Yeah, but this is showing me this 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 offense is showing me that they're looking good right now. But once game, once you go past, I mean, once you uh, play a team or two, and then you have to turn around and you have to play them again, it's not going to look good because you're going to know that you're going to be running the same thing over and over again. And you know, Bill Belichick, he's a he's a great he's a great coach. He's a master at calling up plays and dialing up the right plays at the right time. But you know, if you know where we're gonna if we, if you know where you're gonna go where they're going to go, then it's going to get even harder. Uh, it Actually, Cam Newton did look a little bit uh, scared out there, running a little bit. You know, it looked a little bit weary. I've never seen Cam slide as much as he has this year uh, compared to the previous years. Now, I don't know if that's just because he's just trying to save his body and he's just being smarter, which I hopefully, hopefully that is the case or is, you know, it might be a little nerves because he was gone for so long and he's battling so much that's going on in his head, especially talking about the, the what was the 56 nights or whatever it was that, that he was sitting on. He's worried about that. He's worried about that. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to have to figure something else out. They're going to have to, you know, off the waiver wires and pick up some more uh, receivers out there. 
and actually throw the ball down the field. And going back to the sliding point before we move on here, I wouldn't say Cam Newton's sliding is a bad thing. I think your second point was was more correct. I think the fact he's preserving his body this early in the season is a very good thing because it's not worth getting injured in week three against the goddamn Las Vegas Raiders. It's not worth it. Yeah. But the extra five yards you get if you battled, you don't need to take that risk. Slide down. I love what he did with the football. And actually, I think he actually learned a lot from your boy, Russell Wilson, when to slide, when it's appropriate to run, when it's appropriate to pass. His pocket presence, I think, is, has been a lot better than he was in Carolina. I think he's making smart decisions because he's – I wouldn't say scared. He's more aware of his body limitations now because he is a little bit old, a little bit more injury-prone. I think it's a good thing. I think he's recognizing his limitation. I think he's recognized his ability to affect the game even though he's not going 110% every play. That comes with a yeah. veteran's awareness. And I'm going to say that's definitely, a good thing for Cam. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with you on that. But overall, like I said – I'm still, I'm still sticking with what I said in the beginning that, you know, Patriots, they make it to the wild card, but that'll be about it for them. I guess we're going to find out. Going to the other side of the football here, Derek Carr, 24 of 32, 261 yards and two scores. Derek Carr looked good. It was not good enough against the Patriots defense, but he looked pretty good. Josh Jacobs on the ground, 16 carries, 71 yards, no scores, but a 4.4 yards a carry. Early in the football game, he looked very, very good. I think he kind of gave this defense a run for its money, especially up the middle where we're lacking, especially when it comes to the linebacking core. But I think we contain him at the end of the day. But speaking of containment, Darren Waller, four total targets, two receptions, nine yards. Granted, I've been thinking about this time. And I want to say this before we kind of get to, get to your take here. Darren Waller caught both of those passes in garbage time when the game yeah. was pretty much over. Yeah. Bill yeah. Belichick made him Casper the freaking ghost on Sunday. And that's an impressive thing to do because having a guy like Darren Waller who runs like a receiver but has a body like a tight end, that's not easy to guard. But I will say – I think he took what he saw from his boy, Rob Gronkowski, early in his career and applied it to Darren Waller. He knows how to stop Gronk because he worked with Gronk for so many years. And he applied the same logic to Darren Waller. He hit him every time he came out of the backfield. Anytime he came off the line of scrimmage, he hit him. Someone was hitting him in the the mouth, in in the shin, anywhere. And as soon as yeah, he was hit, he had a man-to-man true. coverage. That's, that's the main thing you need to do, cover these big physical tight ends that are fast. If you hit him off the line, Derek Carr's looking somewhere else automatically. Because if the first option is not there, Derek Carr's shown us, you know, historically, he's going to panic and throw to his second or third or fourth option. He's not going to wait for the first option to develop. And yeah. Bill Belichick, this just speaks to the genius of Bill Belichick. He understands his opponents so well. He takes away your best option and makes your second and third receivers, second and third options in general, beat you. And the Raiders' second and third options were not good enough to win this game on Sunday. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. You know, Bill Belichick has been notorious for shutting down your best player and then making you, and making you win with somebody else, which is second or third player. But uh, let's just say that uh, it would be a different story if Ruggs was healthy. Uh, I, I agree with I, you. I definitely, I definitely feel that very strongly about that because Ruggs is a, is a bright spot on their, on, on, in that black hole that they have over there in Las Vegas. Um, but, yeah, overall, I feel like Derek Carr, he had an okay game. Um, they shut down Darren Waller. Uh, you know, Jacobs, he did good. Uh, every, it looked good, but it just wasn't enough at that time. But I'm pretty sure once they, you know, once they get rugs back and they, uh, they're able to uh, exploit the whole offense uh, out there, they will be looking a lot better. 
I agree with you 100%. And it's tough because we record on Tuesdays typically. So it's, it's hard for us to gouge the injury situation coming up to the game. Because yeah, yeah. It, Tuesday doesn't give you any insight. They usually take Tuesday, Wednesday, even Thursday off if they're kind of feeling injured a little bit, banged up, because they want them to play on Sunday. And it's tough yeah. for us to evaluate from that perspective because we're just so far back in time. You don't know what's going to happen. If Henry Ruggs was on the field on Sunday, it might have been a close game. I think the Patriots still win the game because they have guys like Jonathan Jones who can – no, hey, hear me out. Jonathan Jones ran a 4-3 at the combine. He has the speed to keep up with Henry Ruggs. With safety coverage over yeah. the top, it would have been harder to deal with the offense. It and I think Darren Waller would have had a field day if Henry Ruggs was in the game. Yeah, but just like because you, you got speed doesn't mean that you got stopping power. Right. You know, Henry – you know, Ruggs, Ruggs is a speedster too, but he knows where he's going. He knows where he needs to cut and he needs to he needs to stick that plant foot. So I agree know, with that's you. Still, that's still something different right there. True, but reality is reality. We stick to reality. Henry Ruggs was not healthy enough to play in this football game. That's the reason why yeah. the Patriots steamrolled the Raiders. But I will say one more thing about the Raiders here. My guy, Clemson former wideout, Hunter Renfro, six receptions for 84 yards and a Absolutely. touchdown. He looks phenomenal, and he's just very easy to root for. He's like the easiest receiver to root for in the NFL. He's humble. He's gritty. He's like Edelman before the fame. I love watching this guy play. I wish he was a Patriot. Um, but, yeah, I like Hunter Renfro a lot. I'm team Renfro. Yeah, I, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely right there with you. But I take it uh, another step, another step uh, back. Uh, he looks – I mean, he reminds me more of Wes, uh, Wes Welker. That's what he reminds me of. More of a system player, but once you get him in there, he's going to make things happen. Hopefully with a clutch gene. Hopefully. No butterfingers allowed. Well, he hasn't proved it wrong, and he hasn't proved us wrong. I know, but then again, then again, Wes Wogan didn't prove us wrong until the 19th uh, game of the year. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That was a good one, right, Chris? That was a good one. I got you. Anyway, going to this next game here, a nail-biter in Minnesota. But the Titans, our Titans pulled out 31-30, to and Kirk Cousins loses his third game in a row, although it was not all his fault. Let's get to the no, stats here. Ryan Tannehill, 23 of 37, 200, no, 321 yards, no scores in an interception. However, the freight train himself had a game. Derrick Henry, 26 carries, 119 yards, and two scores. When Derrick Henry gets going, you can't stop him. I don't care what scheme you implant. I don't care what player you put on specifically. I don't care if you rush 11 guys in the field at him at one time. You can't tackle this guy because he's too big. He's too big. Running back should not be this big. It's like Earl Campbell reincarnate. It's ridiculous. He should not be this big playing running back. Brandon Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs. Okay, well, Earl Thomas is before – I mean, not Earl Thomas. Um, Earl Campbell's before Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. With the mold. Same thing. Well, he can give them both. But I, I, I see more of Brandon Jacobs in his, in his game, um, you know, where, you know, if you, if you get him going, especially with the outside zones, he's going to run over at least three or four people and, uh, you know, get you five, five to ten yards a pop. So You just gave you know, me some Vietnam flashbacks from 2007. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, lie to you. Yeah, that yeah. hurt me a little bit, Chris. I, I hear you. I hear you. But overall, I feel like uh, Tennessee, they're, 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 they're doing good. They're playing to their, to their strengths, and, mm-hmm. and it's working for them, you know. Now, Definitely. Uh, you know, as time goes on, like I say, like I say about everybody else, you know, you can't just depend on one, on one uh, facet of the game. You have to be multifaceted around here, when you're, especially when you're looking at other teams out here that are running and passing uh, like the Steelers. 
100%. I agree with you there. The Titans, though, when it comes to receiving, had a full committee on schedule here. They had four receivers with 40-plus receiving yards. Going down the list here, Khalif Raymond out of nowhere, three receptions for 118 yards and no scores. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis, our breakout candidate of the year, five receptions for 69 yards and no scores. Jonu Smith, the tight end who's really having a season for himself yes, thus far. Five receptions for 61 yards and no scores. And Adam Humphreys, four receptions for 41 yards and no scores. They spread the ball around on a decimated Minnesota Vikings secondary, and it did the job just well enough to get the, the victory. Yeah, especially, especially with the quarterback that you don't actually like. Kirk Cousins? No, we're talking about – I'm talking about uh, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, yeah, I don't like Ryan Tannehill. I stand by that. <laughs> I stand by that. No, I do. I stand by that 100%. Is, is, he, an, is, is he an average quarterback that can, that, can, that can manage a game? Well, yeah, I'll grant you that 100%. 100% out of 100. He, he does his job very, very well. Is he a franchise quarterback? No, he's not. He's not. All right, he's not. Man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Going on to the going on to the other side of the ball here. Kirk Cousins, sixteen of twenty-seven for two hundred and fifty-one yards, three scores, but two turnovers actually ended up costing him pretty much the ball game. Rushing, Dalvin Cook, twenty-two carries for a whopping one hundred and eighty-one yards and a touchdown, eight point two yards a carry. This dude. Every time he ran the football was a first down, essentially. That's Absolutely. ridiculous. That's insanity. Absolutely. Who the hell runs the football like that? That is so impressive to me. And obviously, you know the kind of player he was going into the season. But I'm worried about this because if you run Dalvin Cook 20-plus times a game, speaking historically-wise, he's going to get hurt. Yeah, but I feel like this offseason, he was doing a little – he did a little bit uh, a little bit more, especially with the clips that we've seen that was surfacing of him actually, like, working out and running and making sure that his body was in peak, uh, you know, peak uh, physique. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it's a reason why they, they let Adrian Peterson go. It's a reason yeah. why. And he shows it. He shows it every time when he's out there and he's able to uh, stay healthy. He shows why he's one of the best running backs in the game. I'd agree with you there. Going to receiving, and just another clown face on the Philadelphia Eagles franchise, the guy they passed on to take Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, seven receptions, 175 yards, and a score on nine targets. Wow. The former LSU product stunned the Tennessee Titans this week. While they didn't get the W, he looked Randy Moss-esque in this game, and he played elite level football and I cannot wait to see him continue this success I have a feeling he could be a pro bowl by the end of the season yeah well you know it's just one game you know we'll we'll see you know know, the fact that uh the Vikings don't have their their defense isn't all the way there they're gonna have to have they're gonna be in a lot more of these shootout games and they're gonna have to throw the ball a lot more so he's gonna get a lot of targets you know he's gonna get a lot of targets hope he just can't you know he's gonna continue catching majority of his uh of his targets and uh keeps on making people miss because that cut that he made on the right on the down down the side Woo! was nasty nasty. nasty the the dance i'm not really with the dance <laughs> but the cut was nasty that's why you know, i said you, randy moss <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Anyway, go- I, I'm not gonna give him that praise. You know, I think I think very highly of Randy Moss. You know, 
But Justin Jefferson, he's definitely he's definitely a good player. He's definitely showing uh, the intangibles to being a number one receiver in the NFL. 100%. Going to the next game here, Cleveland and Washington. I'm so glad Cleveland proved this right because if they didn't, I'd be on the – I'd be on – I don't even know what I'd be on. I would be – It was a close. It was close. For a while, it was close, especially yeah. early in, in the ball game here. Man. But if they had lost this game, I would be campaigning for them to, to get rid of Baker Mayfield because he's shown me little to nothing, even though they're actually 2-1 and one or three, uh, yeah, 2-1. and one, He's shown me very little that comforts me that he's an actual franchise quarterback like he was supposed to be coming out of Oklahoma. But going to the stats here, the Browns, Baker Mayfield, 16 of 23, 156 yards and two scores. A good stat line, no turnovers. But how do you not throw for more yards with Odell, Jarvis, Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt at your yeah, disposal? I don't super, understand. Super like, I don't, average, I, I don't get it. I don't, you have an elite array of weapons around you, but you can't do anything with it. That pisses me off. Like, you were drafted number one overall for a reason. You won the Heisman, and then you come into the Cleveland being the savior. Plays a great rookie year, stinks it up last year, but now it has no excuses because Odell's had an entire year in the system now, an entire offseason in the system. Jarvis is healthy. They add one of the best tight ends in football when it comes to catching the ball. They have Kareem yes. Hunt back on a two-year cheap deal. They have the best running back stable in the whole damn league, and he still can't produce at an elite level. What more can you have, Baker Mayfield? I have no clue, but he needs to stay off those commercials, uh, cleaning seats before he has to do that for a real job. Because <laughs> right now, it's not, it's not, it's not working for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not. I like Baker Mayfield when he was coming out. I love the swagger that he has. I love the the aura that, that 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 just oozes out of him. I love that, you know. Especially as a wide receiver, I love to see my quarterback with a little swag on him. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's just not. It's just not. It's just not. It's just not working right now. And and it's and it's frustrating because you know you have Odell Beckham, you have Jarvis Landry, you got Austin Hooper, like. How do you not have a, a 300-yard game with these three with these three um, amazing talents that you have sitting outside of you, and especially with with uh, uh, with Chubbs and Kareem Hunt uh, in the backfield helping you out? You know, when you have a great running game, your passing game is automatically going to open up because they have to add more people into the box. So that makes it one-on-one target. That makes it one-on-one for the outside receivers for them to go out there and, like Shaq says, barbecue chicken, so a couple DBs out there. And it's not working. He's not getting the ball down the field like he needs to be and, and, and connecting with these star players. And it needs – something needs to change. Something needs to happen for, for, for them to be able to uh, – uh, uh, make a push into the playoffs. But let me tell you this, though. I like Kareem Hunt. Mm -hmm. He is really special. He got in trouble, which, you know, is, 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 is inexcusable. But I feel like at one point in time, somebody's going to come and pick him up and pay him big money because he made one of those nasty one-handed catches out there. I saw it. Oh, Leaning back, I was like, "Yo, yo, this guy is nice." I mean, you still got Chubbs out there who's running, who's running over people, who's almost looking like uh, uh your boy Henry. 
just uh-huh. running people over and juking people out the way. I'm like, this guy, these guys is amazing. This is the best one-two punch in the NFL right now. And we said, we said it last week, too. We've been on this for a while now. We said it a couple weeks ago now. Like, they're the best stable in the NFL. I think it's bar, you know, bar none. I think it's just like overall the best running back stable in the NFL. Also, shout out to roommate Jimmy over there throwing up the ride the way to sign in the background there. Anyway, going back to this, I want to kind of dive into deeper into Baker Mayfield's incompetence a little bit because it makes me happy a little okay. bit. Okay. 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 <laughs> I call this the Matt Ryan effect, right? So Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield has – he has himself, obviously, and he has two elite running backs. Agreed, right? Yeah. He has two elite receivers. He has yes. an elite tight end, and he has a yes. lot of great surrounding pieces. Yep, all true. Yeah. Matt all Ryan, true. right, had two elite running backs. He had Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. He had elite receivers in Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu. Elite's probably strong for Muhammad Sanu, but we'll go with it, it's right? A, it's, it's a bit strong. <laughs> well, in that office, like, he, he, was, he, was, he did his job phenomenal. He also had Taylor Gabriel as well, so we can kind of group them in together and say they're his both. Best years, his best years was with Cincy, but go ahead. All right, let me keep going here. And they also had Austin Hooper before he became Austin Hooper, right? Mm-hmm. If Matt Ryan can win an MVP with less, then why can't Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick, Heisman winner, do more than average with a better array of weapons? Let me know. That's, that's, it boggles my mind, Chris. It boggles my mind. And it, and it, goes, and it goes back to – and I, I can only go back to what you were saying earlier. If Does the city um, dictate the mantra of the team? And – Let's be honest here. You know, Braille, Ohio is not the ideal place to be. So I don't understand how you don't have enough time to study, to watch film, to figure these defenses out, to to sit in the house and really, you know, think about how you're going to shred up the next team and and not get it done. There's nothing else to do out there. You should be able to – have the best game of your life in your head first, because that's where it all starts off with, and then apply it onto the field. I mean, the club closes at 8 o'clock, for God's sake, in Cleveland. They can't be out there all night anyway. But I, w- I will say, though, I think you're absolutely right. I think the mantra of the city is dictating this right now. They have a loser mentality. They've had a loser mentality for the past 20-plus years. And it's starting to show signs of it, because even with an elite team, I would say this is an elite-level team on offense, at least, and they have some great pieces on defense as well. There is no good reason why this team should not be successful. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it just I don't keeps understand. happening. It just keeps you would happening. Think, you, would, you would think the, 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 the Cavaliers winning, winning championships out there would, would have helped them, would have helped them out, and uh, they would have got some of that, that, that uh, you know. With energy back. You know, you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying. It is, and it's just not working right. It's just not working right with them. Maybe it's, maybe it's that. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's because they don't have the fans out there to help them, uh, help them out with the dog bags. With it could bags. be, it could be that as well. But to quote the great Joakim Noah, "Who the hell wants a vacation in Cleveland? I don't want to go to Cleveland." And that's, I think that's the whole mantra you're talking about here. But going to the other side of the football here, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, or my friend actually called him Dwayne Askins the other day because of how bad this dude is. Uh, 21 of 37, 224 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. Just a, a abysmal day for, for Dwayne Haskins and company here. The one bright spot on this offense I've noticed actually the past couple weeks, Antonio Gibson, nine carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. But overall, he's been a very, very effective running back in the system. 
Yes, yes, he has. Uh, you know, he's just going about his, you know, going about his business. That's 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 what a professional does, and he's taking on that challenge um, of, of of being a professional, and he's making he's making things happen over there. Hundred percent. And going to receiving here, Terry McLaurin, four receptions for eighty-three yards. He was going to show up, and we knew that automatically. He's a consistent player. But the surprise of the day, former Colt Dontrell Inman, three receptions, mm-hmm. thirty-eight yards, and a couple scores. The Washington Football Team, while they're one and two. Don't impress me in the slightest. This team will be a top five draft, uh, a, a top five draft order coming up in the next uh, cycle. Here, they're yeah. not. Uh, what's the word to describe this, Chris? They're just not a functional franchise, and it's showing because when you have a guy like Ron Rivera, who's been in the Super Bowl, who's had playoff success, who's won Coach of the Year, leading mm-hmm. your team, you should not be turning the ball over four times. You should not be letting up 34 points with an average stat line from the quarterback. You should not be doing a lot of the mistakes they're making. And I think it comes from the top down. I think they should sell the team. I think they might even, should even relocate. Because the way I look at it right now, this team has quite literally nothing going for it. Even their, even their star rusher, Chase Young, is on the IR now. He's out for the game. And he's going to be out for yeah. another three weeks. What do they have going for them? Nothing. I think it's time to cut bait and just move on, but that's just me. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely believe I definitely believe in what you're saying uh, right there. I feel like that it is uh, they're doing uh, Ron Rivera a disservice and not allowing him to uh, coach the team the way he needs to be able to coach it. And uh, and I know any any coach that allows this quarterback to turn the ball over three to four times has to be extremely mad, but. You know, we know that higher ups, when the money talks, you can't you can't really do nothing about that. You know, you have to let things play out. And so, you know, he's he's a little bit behind a ball. And, you know, he's the face of the team right now uh, because he's the head coach, and it's only making him look bad. But Ron Rivera is definitely one of the one of one of the, one of the great coaches that's in the NFL. And they don't even have an identity. They literally, quite literally, don't have an identity. They don't even have a, a team name. They don't even have a team name. They have yeah. no unified. Isn't that coming up? They're, they're supposed to be coming up with a name sometime soon. I thought I think I seen something like that on. It's Twitter. about damn time. You had all the yeah. time in the world to do it. it, yeah. it that, that franchise just, just grinds my gears. I actually have cousins from Maryland um, who are big D, um, Washington football fans, and they're uh-huh. disgusted as well. And it's like I, I don't blame you. I'm sorry you have to deal with this franchise as your as your home franchise, but it is what it is. Going to the next game here. Sorry, you picked the wrong team. Exactly. So, I mean, they grew up there. So, I guess that's the luck of the draw right there. But going to the next game here, Buffalo in L.A., a great football game. Just a great, great football game. 35-32 final score. Buffalo takes the W and stays undefeated. Josh Allen, who's sneakily in the MVP race, by the way, sneakily, 24 of 33, 311 yards, four touchdowns, including the touchdown that would win the ball game in an interception. On the ground, Devin Singletary adds 13 carries for 71 yards and no scores, but a nice 5.5 yards a carry. And receiving, my guy, who I've told a lot of people to watch out for this week, was Cole Beasley. Six receptions for 100 yards on the day. We talked about this last week, Chris. I was worried about the depth of the secondary for L.A. I knew Jalen Ramsey would have a role to play when guarding Stephon Diggs. And for the most part, he did guard him well. Granted, he had a touchdown catch on him. But for the most part, he was, he was as restricted as possible. But as I said last week, my main concern was the depth concerning the Rams secondary. And this game proved to me 
they do not have the depth of a Super Bowl caliber team. Because in the playoffs, you have these unknown names, like a guy like Chris Matthews, who come out of nowhere and affect the game at a huge, huge level. If they can't guard Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, and Tyler Croft, who Croft, by the way, had four receptions for 24 yards and two touchdowns, what are they going to do in the playoffs when they play someone better? When someone yeah. has better depth, what are they going to do? The Rams are not as good as people say they are. And because of Buffalo's win here, Buffalo is officially a top five team in the NFL. Are you saying the defense isn't as good as they say you say I'm they say, are? Or are you I'm, talking about the team I'm saying overall. I'm saying overall. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. I, I, I hear you on that. Um, Josh Allen, I think this week proved – I mean, he, he actually went from uh, being a sneak into the MVP conversation into being the second uh, runner-up in uh, the MVP conversation because Kyler Murray, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit, uh, definitely decre- uh, decreased his value uh, in this past game. But, you know, Josh Allen, and I've been talking about this guy since last year. Uh, he is showing that as long as, you, as long as you allow him to be himself, he is going to produce. And he's doing everything that he, that he can in his power to put his team in a winning in winning positions and they're actually buying in they're buying in with Josh Allen and I like it I love it they're going out there uh you know in the beginning I remember in the beginning of the game that they they scored two touchdowns and they called them both back and I'm like well he scores another one he scores the third one and he and, and, and it actually counts and I'm like well that's 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 pretty impressive right there because you know a lot of quarterbacks after a while, you're talking about you get a flag and a, you get two flags and, uh, you know, your team is a little bit down. They're mad. They're tired. And, you know, you see Josh Allen up there. And he's still out there running the ball and clapping guys up and giving high fives and stuff like that, man. Josh Allen is a, is a really good player, man. And, and overall, the Bills is a really good team. And I think that they're going to be my sleeper. I think uh, that they're going to be the sleeper in uh, this season. Are they a top five team? Top five. Uh, let's see. I mean, I, not top five, not just yet. But borderline. But, you know, as time as time goes on, you know, if they keep going and they keep winning, then I'll I, I'll get it to them for sure. Fair enough. Going to the other side of the football here, Jared Goff, twenty three of thirty two, three hundred twenty one yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Not the best day, not the worst day for the for the former Cal prospect there. But the great guy solid on the offense, solid game. I would say solid game. Running the football, however, Darnell Henderson, 20 carries, 114 yards and a touchdown, a 5.7 yards a carry here. He looked elite. I wouldn't say elite. That's, that's I would Derrick say, Henry numbers. It is Derrick Henry numbers. I, I don't mean elite as in running back hierarchy. I mean elite as just an athlete. He just looked phenomenal. Okay. He looked comfortable. And I think he's the mm-hmm. reason why LA was even in the game in the first place. Because I don't think Jared Goff brought them there, brought them there himself. Going to receiving mm-hmm. here, Cooper Cup, nine receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. This dude is like glue. He catches everything around him. He, he's sweeping the football after the catch. He makes people miss in the open field. He's just a great all-around receiver, isn't he? No, I, I, like, I like Cooper Cup a lot. Him and Robert Woods work well together. Um, you know, I keep on, I keep on saying this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a real big – 
a fan of wide receivers taking uh, reverses uh, so many, uh, so much when, you know, receivers are built for catching the ball down the field or, you know, and, and making things happen. But, you know, they're making things work for him over there. And Cooper Cup is uh, definitely doing his part. Definitely. Especially coming off the injury. 100%. I agree with you there. I love Cooper Cup. Going to the next game here, Atlanta and Chicago. And this just blows my mind. I'm going I'm to open this game with a stat. No team in the last 25 years has blown multiple 15-point leads in the fourth quarter. 25 years. That's a long freaking time. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons did it in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. I'm officially declaring it's time to break up the boys club. I think Dan Quinn should be gone. I think Matt Ryan's last season with Atlanta is here if he doesn't retire. I think Julio Jones might be on the way out of the door. I think New England actually might scoop up Julio Jones. We can talk about that after the analysis here. But this is embarrassing. You're a professional football team, and you blew back-to-back 15-point leads with Matt Ryan at the helm, with Julio Jones, with Calvin Ridley, with Todd Gurley. When does it end? When does it stop? What's the line they need to cross to the point where they say, all right, it's done, we need to blow it up? Yeah, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Uh, and, it's, and it's unfortunate because, you know, Dan Quinn, that's my guy, you know, especially back in the Seattle days. Uh, he was a, he's a great coach. I like him, but I just don't understand it, how you're, you, you went from a defensive uh, coordinator to a head coach, and then you're, let, you're allowing your defense to give up points uh, and lose games, honestly, um, back-to-back, back-to-back weeks. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's a part of the game that he's going to have to go. I feel you with uh, Matt Ryan. I feel like Matt Ryan is his last leg. He'll probably end up being, uh, you know, a backup somewhere else. And uh, Julio Jones, that that's really tough for me because he's just coming off of, uh, you know, being a number one receiver in the in in top 100. So, um you know, that's, that's hard, but I can see it happening because Calvin Ridley is actually putting on a show out there. He's probably the brightest spot uh, on that offense. And um, I feel like I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not totally off of Todd Gurley. I feel like Todd Gurley just needs, a, a, you know, some more time in the offense to be able to gel a little bit more to understand what, what's going on out there. But, yeah, I'm not sleeping on I'm – not, I'm, not, I'm not off of Todd Gurley yet. And I hope you're right, because I'm a big Todd Gurley guy. I'm a big fan Absolutely. of the guy. I was really hoping for a huge comeback season from him. But so far, it hasn't happened. I think it's a lot to do with the offensive line as well. They haven't played anywhere yeah. near as well as they should be. Yeah. But I'm going to give some more time on Todd Gurley as well. Going to the stats here. And this made me happy. I will say this, this part of the game did make me happy. Mitch Trubisky went 13 for 22. 128 yards, a score, and, a t- and an interception. And was benched. And my guy, and he shouldn't be my guy because he broke my goddamn heart in Super Bowl 52. But my guy, Nick Foles, comes in. 16 of 29, 188 yards, three scores in an interception. What did you see from the former Super Bowl MVP? That he is good when he's, getting, when he's put in pressure moments. He is really good when he's put in pressure moments. Uh, Nick Foles is somebody who I've always uh, been – a fan of honestly ever since he uh came in and uh won that Super Bowl for him uh for the Eagles so uh it looks good but at the same time you know we've seen that Nick Foles has had the opportunity to be able to start and take the I mean take the team over and he doesn't always 
make the right uh, make the right plays. So it's going to be it's going to be uh, a tough decision for them, but they're, they're going to have to make one and uh, ride with it. Well, just so you know, Nick Foles was declared the starter going forward uh, for this team, for the Chicago Bears. Oh, really? He no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that yet. He was. So, going forward, I think it's probably the better move for them. They're 3-0, and but I will still maintain they're the biggest fraud of 3-0 in the entire NFL. This team, Whoa. they're the biggest fraud of 3-0. and They are. Because, all right, so. How, you, how, can you be, how, how can you be a fraud at 3-0? and what are you talking about? The Lions game, first off, that, that, that debacle of the end zone drop by DeAndre Swift, right? That's a dub. That's already an L in the column, right? If DeAndre Swift makes a routine catch in the end zone, all right? So that's our, let's call it 0 and 1, right? Going to the next game, blasphemous as well. Going to this game, 30 to 26. The Atlanta Falcons gave them this game on a silver platter. It's not, they, they, like, granted, they so won like the football you, game. So I, like, so I like how you just bypassed last week's game. Like, like, it was just, uh, like, it was just a wash when they, when they uh, rightfully so, went out there and did what they were supposed to do. Like, I, I keep on telling you, Joe, this is the NFL. Anything can happen on Sunday, and they're proving it. It's not, it's not, it's not their fault that, uh, the running back, the running back for Detroit dropped the ball in the end zone. That's not their fault, you know. This is not their fault that they come in and they bitch a, their bitch their, their franchise quarterback and put in their backup quarterback and come out and, and comes out striking. That's not a that's not that's not a coincidence. That's no. not something that you can just make up. I'm not things happen and it works. I'm not faulting them for winning football games. I'm not faulting them for winning football games. I'm faulting. The fact that they're 3-0 when I don't think they're a 3-0 caliber football team. That's what I'm trying to say here. While they earn the Ws they have, right? They earn them. They still had to play the football game. They still had to play the points up. They still had to win the football game. And I give them credit for that. I just think they're frauds of 3-0 because I don't believe in this team. Even within the division, Packers are a better football team, right? Yes or no? Yes. Vikings have the potential to win football against the Chicago Bears, right? The Chicago Bears defense isn't showing me anywhere near as much as they did a couple years ago. I don't believe in the Vikings. I don't believe them either, but I think Dalvin Cook would run for 200 yards. They could win by a field goal. I believe that very much. Like you just said, any given Sunday. Even the Lions, who Matt Stafford knocks off Arizona and Kyler Murray in the desert. Who just say Matt Stafford can't mount a, a, a victory against the Chicago Bears? I think they split the series if we want to get down to it. So I just think they're a fraud team. I didn't really articulate it as well as I, as I could have. I need to di- dive deeper into the analytics here. But I just don't see Chicago going anywhere this season. I think they're a fraud of 3-0. I'm going to leave it at that. Going back into the rushing here, Devin, David Montgomery, 14 carries for 45 yards and no scores, 3.2 yards to carry. The rushing uh, offense for the Chicago Bears was tough, especially considering Tariq Cohen tore his ACLs out for the rest of the year. A big loss for the Windy City Huge and Tariq loss. Cohen. Receiving-wise, though, Allen Robinson – who's playing some of his best football of his career. Ten receptions for 123 yards and a score. Jimmy Graham reviving his career in Chicago as well. Six receptions for 60 yards and two scores. That's the Knicks Foles effect. He did it with Zach Ertz in Philadelphia, and he's going to keep doing it with every team he goes to. He loves the big targets. He loves the ability for him to shield the football. Um, and it shows in the, in the red zone especially because Jimmy Graham's a former power forward. Uh, he played basketball in college as well. Same thing with Antonio Gates. Same thing with Tony Gonzalez. He's, 
These former basketball players know how to go up and get the football, use their body to shield the football, and come down with it in the end zone. And I think Nick Foles on his new favorite target in Jimmy Graham. And I would love to see what they're going to do down, down the stretch here um, with that connection specifically. Going to Atlanta's side of the ball here, Matt Ryan, 19 of 38 for 238 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Just an average stat line for Matt Ryan. It's his last year in Atlanta. Sad to say, great tenure, but this, this is the end of the road for him. Rushing, Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown, 5.7 yards a carry. Not a bad game, but not nearly enough to seal a W for this Atlanta Falcons. Not a, not a game not a game of uh, Gurley's caliber. I, I hear you. 100%. Receiving, though, a guy who continues to shine in this offense, Calvin Ridley, five receptions, 110 yards, no scores, but 13 targets. Calvin Ridley is officially the number one receiver in this offense. I said it last week because Julio Jones is either getting double teamed or he's injured or, you know, it's either this or that. But and, you can see Ridley- it, and, you can, and you can see it coming out. You can see it coming out of Calvin Ridley. I've seen on the sideline. He's over here growing off on players. And you seem, you're talking about you have Julio Jones sitting right there on the side, uh, sitting right there on the sideline. You basically his big brother. And you can just see the passing of the torch and, you know, He's just sitting there. He can't really say much because he's not out there playing. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin really is showing that, 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 that aura of, yeah, I'm the number one guy. So I like, I like Kevin really a lot, man. He's doing great jobs. But, you know, they need to, they need, they, they need to uh, break up that team and uh, make him the focal point. And I was going to say, on, on top of that point, I want to agree with you there. They need to blow it up for one of the biggest reasons, I think, to center the offense around Calvin Ridley even more. Because uh, he's absolutely. showing he's a receiver one type of talent here. And it reminds me similarly how DeAndre Hopkins came up behind Andre Johnson. Because mm-hmm. there was a couple seasons there where DeAndre Hopkins was actually in tandem with Andre Johnson toward the end of his career yes. in Houston. And while he didn't have elite numbers. We'll say one year. We'll say one year. Right? One year. Well, okay, we'll go with one year. But he was towards the end of the ball here. He was still a beast, though. He was, yeah, I agree with you. He's towards the end of his career. Same thing with uh, Julio Jones is right now, even though I think he's probably ahead of where Andre Johnson is right now yeah, at yeah. his well, current age. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'm trying to compare it to is Calvin Ridley played a couple seasons with Julio Jones now, shown receiver one potential, but just like when DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, when Andre Johnson left the Texans, Julio Jones is going to do the same damn thing. And Calvin Ridley would become the DeAndre Hopkins of the Atlanta Falcons. I think, I think the storyline is the same. I think the arc's the same. And I'm really excited to see Calvin Ridley as the bona fide first option in this offense, presumably with a new quarterback. Keep an eye yeah. on that storyline down the road in a couple of years even as well. Going on to the next game here, Carolina and the Chargers. And I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. I'm surprised I got this one right. I really am because when I picked it after the game, after this podcast, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. Herbert's going to start now. He's going to have his first W. I don't really know about this. But the Panthers did just enough to get the W. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. 22 of 28, 235 yards and a touchdown. Not elite, but efficient. And that's all he needed to do to get the W this, this week. He was efficient. No, that's, def- that's definitely true, man. And I definitely thought that uh, the Chargers defense would have did a lot better than um, – you know than what they showed out there on the field, and I was actually going, I was actually uh, thinking like they would come out with at least two or three picks because you know Teddy Bridgewater. You know once you get once you get some pressure in front of him, he likes to uh, throw off his back foot mm-hmm. and uh, you know throw some ducks in the air. But you know he he got it done. You know Teddy Bridgewater is a solid player. You know we've all seen that from him, especially with his time with uh, the Saints last year. Um, he just he, he made a solid he made a solid day he had a solid day today uh, uh, this week. 
definitely. And the funny thing is, he didn't have a lot of help on the ground either. Their leading rusher had 46 yards on 13 carries, Mike Davis. And after that, really no help at all. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's out with an injury right now, an ankle injury. And honestly, this team shows me a lot of heart to get a W the week after your star player that carries your offense just up and, you know, goes away. So I I give all the credit in the world to the Carolina Panthers for this victory as well. In the air, however, DJ Moore, two receptions for 65 yards, no scores, only on four targets, though. Robbie Anderson, five receptions for 55 yards. But Mike Davis, the running back, actually had probably the most impressive day of the bunch here. Eight receptions for 45 yards and a score. The Panthers, while I don't expect them to do really anything in that crowded NFC South, they're still having a pretty good start to the season, considering all the circumstances they've had to deal with and all the obstacles they had to overcome early in the year. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with you on that, uh, especially with, with with Christian McCaffrey being hurt. And they're scrambling around trying to figure out who's the who's the next guy for them to be able to uh, lean their hat on. Um, it it looks it looks like a like a daunting task, a hard task, but uh, you know they'll figure it out. I, I believe I believe they'll be able to uh, get a couple more wins out of here. But overall, um, Carolina they look good this week. I mean this yeah. past week. Definitely. And I want to emphasize it is a this week thing. I don't really expect big things from them down the stretch. I don't see them making a playoff run at all. I don't really see that potential for this team. Um, But it is nice to see these kind of flashes of potential when it comes to the next. But it's possible. It is is possible. Especially when Christian McCaffrey gets back. Yeah, never rule anything out here. Going to the other side of the football, Justin Herbert in his second game as a starter, 35 of 49, threw the ball 50 times, 330 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. What did you see from Justin Herbert in his second game as a starter? Uh, that he's growing. He's definitely growing. He's, he's taking command of, uh, of the team, which is something that, uh, you know, uh, rookies, know, you know, they don't normally do just off the bat like that, you know, especially coming in at, at, a, at an ill time. I mean, at, at an off time that he did come in. Um, but I think that, you know, that's a testament to Tyrod Taylor because I've seen Tyrod Taylor take people under his arm and, uh, you know, whether he was playing or not playing, uh, help them get along, I mean, get further along than where they're at at that mm-hmm. present time. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor is definitely an ultimate team player. Um, and you can see that he's doing it with, uh, with Justin Herbert. And it's a very interesting situation going on with L.A. here. The NFLP is actually in uh, – in, conducting an investigation into Tyra Taylor's injury. There's some rumors that might be intentional. There's there's a lot of crazy rumors going out there right now. And I wish I could could dispel some of them for you, but I really can't. And it's shocking that in 2020, this would be a possibility. And it couldn't really happen to a worse guy than Tyrod Taylor. I mean, this is a guy who's fought for everything he's gotten. He's He's made the best of every single opportunity he's had. He went from Baltimore being a backup to being the starter in Buffalo, goes to Cleveland, loses the job to Baker Mayfield, and then comes in and wins the job in a new system again for the third time. It's like you hate to see to this guy, my guy T-Mobile, but a very interesting and very ominous situation going on with the Chargers in this investigation. So hopefully they can shed some light on it because this is a wacky, wacky situation. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. Uh, I think it was more so of like just a mistake because I've, you know, not on that scale, but I've gotten IVs before and 
they're not they're not doing right with the needle you know they're missing the veins and stuff like that so that's definitely possible but uh i've never had somebody puncture my lung yeah trying to you know administer uh medicine to me so just just a very uh, weird story in general very very weird weird, but uh he's definitely gonna get paid off of this which you know at the end of the day it's gonna help out him and his family uh much like how uh orlando brown back in the day when he got hit in the eye with the ref uh you know, even though I, you know, I have my little feelings about that, I feel like he was faking. But you know, if you don't fake it, you, <laughs> you fake it, you don't get the money, and you know, especially if you win. So that's uh, true. It's 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 a complicated situation. Now we we just have to see what happens. I don't really want to uh, talk too speculate. much. Speculate, yeah, we don't want to speculate too much on that situation. But the star of the day for this Chargers offense, Austin Eckler. I mean, wow, 23 total touches, 193 total yards, and a score. This dude is better and better each week. He's like a McCaffrey clone. It's really Mm -hmm. unbelievable. He affects the game in so many different levels and gives your offense a whole other dimension to work with. He is a a quarterback, especially a young quarterback's best friend, and he's helping Justin Herbert into the NFL with great ease and great poise because he always has that steady guy to pass you out of the backfield. But – quickly emerging as Justin Herbert's favorite target in LA, Keenan Allen, 13 receptions, 132 yards and a touchdown, and almost a game-winning hook and ladder play that would have been crazy if that that actually paid off. That would have been crazy. That would have been sports in our top 10, top two and not two. That would have been unbelievable. But honestly, Absolutely. but honestly, a pretty good game for Justin Herbert in his second in his second game. Really could have won the game against the Chiefs, which would have been a statement win and a career resume builder for him. Mm-hmm. Off the jump, didn't win the game there. Plays Carolina, doesn't get the job done either. But actually had him in a position to where they could have won the game. I expect big things from Justin Herbert going down down here. I, I really do see big I, things I, in this future. I, I do too. I do too. And I think that they, the coaching staff, they know it. Uh, and they're going to start building uh, building the playbook around him a, uh, a little bit more. And it's going to be a lot for him on his plate, for on Justin Herbert's plate. But like I said, when you got Tyrod Taylor there, you got Austin Eckler uh, helping you out, and Ken Allen as just you know as well as another one of your safety blankets as well. Uh, I definitely think he'll be able to put a task and uh, make a lot of uh, I mean make make large strides. I agree with you there. I think as well. Next game on the schedule, and this makes me sad. I don't want to spend too much time on this game. The Colts and the Jets, 36-7. to Sam Darnold throws three picks, 17 of 29, 168 yards. I, the, reading these stats off is really depressing because, like, yeah. nobody did good. Not a single yeah. soul in this offense was competent. The, the defense was horrific. I just don't want to talk about this game, Chris. I really don't. If it's just not worth talking if about. anybody needs to – if anybody needs to tank a season, it's the Jets. And I'm saying, Chris, this is the. And they're probably week. they're probably tanking it. They're not even even trying. <laughs> and, and this is the second week I'm going to say it here. I'm officially nominating Stafford and Matthews to replace the current GM and president of the New York Jets because called. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right <laughs> now, we could already do better than what they're doing. Absolutely, we could probably do better. Than, we could probably do better than their last three GMs have done. Merch is on the way for that, by the way. We're making some shirts. First thing, first, thing, making I'm, first, thing, first thing I'm trying to draft is the offensive line. That's the first thing I'm drafting. You mean you think a normal football guy would understand that process, but apparently the New York Jets are blind to that obvious opinion. Um, and, of course, it goes back to that mantra of your city. When you have a lot, 
It's a lot going on, and people, and it looks like it's not even the players. It's not even just the players. It's also the 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 the, the staff. I'm with you 100% there. The Colts steamrolled the Jets. Not really talk about here. The Jets are 0-3 yeah. on their way to the number one overall pick. And I really, really, really don't – I really hope that they don't mess up Trevor Lawrence's career path because if he actually does get drafted by them, it might be a distinct reality. He actually becomes a bust because of the situation he's actually placed into in Gotham. So I'm praying, please don't take Trevor Lawrence because you're going to ruin his career. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Listen, Trevor Lawrence, bro. If I was you, I would hold out. <laughs> I, would I would go. Out I would go full John Elway. I would go full Eli Manning. Trade that pick. I would go. I would go. I would go John Elway. I'd go Eli Manning. I'd do anything possible to avoid being a New York Jet because it must be the most depressing, most agonizing thing as a player to be on that franchise. In the current day, that's all I'm going to say. And that's, and that's saying, and that's saying a lot because you're still talking about one of one of historically one of the worst teams in the NFL, which is the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. who has a curse on them. But now the Jets are coming up pretty close to that same type of uh, curse that Cleveland Browns is having. I mean, and that says something. And that says something, Chris. Seriously, going on to the next game here, a nail biter in Seattle. Final score, 38-31. Seattle takes a W over Dallas. And our guy, Russell Wilson, 27 of 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Second game in a row with five touchdowns throwing. Russell Wilson's on a tear. He's out to prove everyone and their mother that they were wrong about him. The Jaguars, fun fact from trivia if you guys didn't know, took a punter. Before Russell Wilson was drafted, a punter. He's third. He's third rounder. Third rounder. First of all, begs the question: Why were the Jaguars drafting a punter in the third round? Because the Jaguars. No. That's the easiest answer we can no. we can give you. But <laughs> like Russell Wilson is on an absolute tear. This dude is going to win MVP. I don't, think, I don't think it will be close. Has the most passing touchdowns through three weeks of anyone in NFL history with fourteen on the on the season so far. Russell Wilson looks to be the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Mahomes made a, made a statement about it last night on Monday night. Yeah, I was about to say. Made a statement about it on Monday night. The best. But Russell Wilson is neck and neck with Mahomes right now for the yeah. title of best player in the NFL. But I want – but, Joe, I want you to say this with me. Okay. And I want you to say it and mean it. Okay. When I say, when I say C, I want you to say Hawks. Okay? Okay. C. Hawks. C Hawks. C Hawks. There we go. Let's go. We're on the same page, baby. Hawks are going crazy right now. I swear to you. If 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 this coronavirus stuff wasn't going on right now, the Seahawks probably would. The Seahawks, the Twelves, they probably would have tore that whole stadium down. I'm about to say that it's the whole stadium down. It's crazy to think about. They are having an amazing season. They're having great – they had great pickups with Jamal Adams, even though he can't guard nobody. He's still coming in there, knocking people's heads off. The defense is looking amazing. Russell Wilson is looking amazing. Tyler Lockett is out there looking amazing, even though they still have DJ Metcalf out there – I mean, uh, DK Metcalf out there who's doing a great job, who 
you know, made a rookie, you know, made a rookie, I mean, a bonehead mistake by uh, leaving the ball out and not taking the ball. And I'm more than sure that they are harping on that this week because that is something that they always talk about. Is it's all about the ball. That's one of their mantras they have sitting up in their wall. I forgot exactly where it was, but it's on their wall somewhere where it's always say it's all about the ball. So I'm pretty sure that he has a football. He's walking around with it 24-7 in that, in that facility. But they did an amazing job. They 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 fought very hard. Um, they fought very hard out there for that game, and they proved that they are the better team. DK Metcalf really went full Leon Lett, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. <laughs> he went fully on left. And, and, and I have him in fantasy too, so I was really pissed. I was screwing at my TV. I was like, just put the ball in the end zone. It's just so frustrating. Exactly. It's a pop warner mistake. I'm sure he won't do it again, but nah. dude, take care of the football. Anyway, yeah. on the ground here, Chris Carson, 14 carries, 64 yards, no scores. Actually was injured in this game. Yeah, that hurts. And Pete Carroll came out after the game screaming about the defensive player on Dallas who actually held his leg and twisted it on the ground. What a dirty bonehead play to make. That's an Nandomigan suit-esque play from his early years. It like Or Bethel. Or Beckham. It was Josh Norman, exactly. But how can you, as a grown-ass man, as an athlete, who understands how much it takes to get to that level, to be an NFL athlete, to then try to take someone's career away like that? You have yeah. to be the scum of the earth, my friend. It has to be – you have to be a whole another level of douchebag to be able to do that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we talk, about, we talk about rookies not knowing certain things, you know, not knowing, uh, you know, how to go about being a professional sometimes. But, you know, things like that, you know, whatever they call it, the alligator role or whatever they want to call it, um, that's just something that, you know, you've been taught since – you're a little kid. Whatever, whatever stage that he was brought up, whether it was, you know, from Pop Warner to middle school to high school, all levels they teach you how to tackle, and that is not how you do it. That is just totally uh, egregious, disgusting, and I like and it's uncomfortable. I, I would never, I would never. There was never a time uh, in my career that I was like, you know, I'm going to go down here and hurt this guy. No matter how much I dislike somebody or how much he pisses me off, it's never a time where I'm thinking of like, yeah, I'm about to hurt this dude. 100%. It's a horrible mentality to have, and I'm really sickened that that actually happened in, that, in this football game. And Pete Carroll has to do something. They have to find him. And Pete Carroll has every right to defend this player like that and to go Absolutely. after that other guy. And this is the reason why Pete Carroll is so loved by his organization because he's a player's coach. He goes to bat for every single member of that locker room. And it showed, on, uh, it showed on Sunday. Receiving-wise for this game, DK Metcalf, while he had that egregious touchdown drop there, four receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown. It's, my, it's, like my, it's becoming my weekly catchphrase here. DK Metcalf is bigger, stronger, and faster than every single NFL defensive back in the NFL. And it's still being proved today. Tyler Lockett, our guy, who's actually coming on the show next week, nine receptions, 100 yards even, and three scores. What did you see from the speedy wideout in Seattle? That he's a vet. You know, he's moving. He's, he's, he's taking all the right steps in the right direction to become – um, a focal point on that team, and I think that he has been a focal point on that team for years, for years now. Uh, it's just, it's more of, uh, 
I think he, I think he's taking a page out of uh, out of uh, Doug Baldwin's book and uh, making it his team, even though that they have you know Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf out there who's lighting up who's lighting up the uh, the, the 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 passing game. Um, but you know Tyler Lockett is a is a is definitely a pro. He's definitely an amazing player, and uh, you know people are you know people sleep on him all the time because you know Seattle's never really been known for wide receiver play. But they're slowly but surely showing that uh, you know that 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 mantra is changing over there. Hundred uh, percent. Going to the other side of football here for Dallas. Dak Prescott actually had a pretty good day himself. Thirty-seven of fifty-seven, four hundred seventy-two yards, three scores, but two interceptions that ended up costing them heavily towards the end of this ball game. Your guy Ezekiel yeah. Elliott had a bad day. Yeah. 14 carries, 34 yards, a touchdown, 2.4 yards a carry. It's a fluke game. I like Zika a lot. I think he'll bounce back next yeah. game. I'm not really worried about that. But yeah, it, really, worried about that. it really did cost him a big uh, big loss here in the NFC. Because when it comes to playoff time, I'm sure Dallas will be right there considering how poorly the NFC East is playing right now. Um, yeah. It's going to cost him when it comes to playoff seeding. So we'll have to wait and see on that as the season comes along here. Receiving-wise, Michael Gallup led the day. Six receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown. Unbelievable. And, and little-known Cedric Wilson, five receptions, 107 yards, and two scores. Where did the hell did this guy come from? And more importantly, why is the Cowboys not looking CeeDee Lamb's way? Well, I don't I – can't, I can't really – I have to do a little bit more studying on CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you, know, you know, I was very high on him. I actually drafted him in my fantasy because, you know, he was just somebody who I seen who just looked different on the field, on film. Um, but yeah, it's about next. It's a, it's about it's about being ready at the time when they call your name. And you know these guys is proving it. Uh, CD Lamb, I feel like he's gonna step up. Uh, I, I don't think they. I don't think they're gonna you know stray too far away from him unless there's something that's going on internally that we don't know about yet. Um, but other than that, yeah, I feel like they're doing a great. You know, this is an off game. They're playing against one of the best teams in the NFL, the C. Hawks. Okay, come on now, Joe. I gotta on, th- I'm Joe. sorry. I gotta th- no, it's a new on, thing man. for me. Give me a break. Come anyway, on. go into this next I'm game here. I'm a Seahawks fan. That's what I'm about to do. Send me some merch. I'm waiting for my Chris Matthews jersey. I'm waiting for the frame. <laughs> I, I, I need, I need something in the back here. I need something in the back. Yeah. Come on, feed me. Yeah, I've got Oh, you. hi, Jimmy. Jimmy, say hey. I'm going to send y'all some info. I'm going to send y'all some stuff. Watch. I, I'm waiting. I'm, I'll send you the address. I'm waiting for that. Anyway, okay. um, going on here, Tampa Bay and Denver. This was never really a question for me when we started, when we started yeah. picking these games because Drew Locke's out, Cortland Sutton's out, Philip Lindsay's out. There's so many injuries. It was never really a question for me who was going to win this ball game. But I will say, Tom Brady in the first half looked like the Tom Brady of old from I mean, maybe even 2014. Tom Brady, 25 of 38, 297 yards and three scores. But mind you, all three touchdown passes were in the first half. Does that make yeah. a difference? Yeah, it does. And this is where stats yes. start to lie. Because unless, unless you have sustained success over the entirety of the football game, you can't really be applauded as the guy who won them the football game. You know what I'm trying to say? Because, yeah. yes, they're up 21. I think, I think it was 21 nothing at halftime, right? So, yeah, that's a huge you know, step yes. in the right direction. But if Denver had been healthy and Tom Brady plays the same half football he did in the second half, did they win the football game? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. And that's the thing. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. And the fact, that the, the fact that it's a question is what's concerning for me when people say Tom Brady's all the way back because he's not all true. the way back. 
He's not That's all true. the way back. Keep that in mind. Don't buy into the hype just yet. Until I see Tom Brady go into Tom Brady mode. And what I mean by that is lock in, throw consistent passes over the entirety of the football game, three scores or more, over, two, over 250 yards consistently, over 50% completion percentage consistently without relying too much on the run game. He's not the same quarterback he was just a couple seasons ago. Keep that in mind. Yeah. When it comes no, to that's running, true. Yeah. When it comes to running back that's tables true. here. Uh, you, you just got you just got to understand that, you know, when injuries come into play, it's a lot harder. You know, it yeah. looked like he was dependent on uh, Chris Godwin to be in there to make, you know, to make the make the plays for him. Uh, rightfully so. He's a great – I mean, he's a really good player. You got Mike Evans out there who's still being consistent out there. Um, but the running back, the running, the running – the run game was a little shaky for me, you know, yeah. with uh, Ronald Jones and – uh, 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 Leonard Fournette not producing as much as I thought they would have, especially with Leonard Fournette coming off the game that he just had the week before. I thought he would have been uh, featured in this game a lot more, but you know, it's 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 a little shaky, like you said. Uh, I'm not totally sold on 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 uh, Tampa Bay either. Yeah, and, and when it comes to the running back stable, like you just mentioned, they only had 68 yards total on the day. You don't win football games like that consistently no, and, and history will show you this if you have over 100 rushing yards a game you have a very good chance to win the football game especially yeah. when you have tom brady as your quarterback because he thrives off that. Attack. you need a balance attack. A balance and, and, attack and i and I, i'm telling you right now and this is coming from the biggest tom brady fan in the world if this rushing attack continues the way it has the last week and they play teams again like the saints even right down the stretch if they play teams in the playoffs such as like the packers they're going to lose the football game because Tom Absolutely. Brady has shown no inkling that he can win a football game by himself anymore. He has not shown that Absolutely. to me at all throughout this season. So keep an eye on the run game. Said that. So you're agreeing with me that these lad, the last three Super Bowls that he won was not because of him. No, I'm not. You're agreeing with I'm, I'm not. I'm no, oh I'm not. I'm not. Oh my God. You realize you, you're, you're going to come around. You're going to come around. I get, yes. After this season, you're going to start saying that. Watch. Why? He's 43. I can just say it's, that's, it's, that's the end of the road for him. He's not playing football anymore. <laughs> like I said, that's all I have to say. I have the easiest cop out in the world. That's the cop easiest out. cop out in the world. <laughs> easiest. Oh, my God. Anyway, going to the receiving here. My guy, Scotty Miller, three receptions for 83 yards led the day. But Mike Evans, interesting stat line here. Two receptions, two yards, two touchdowns. Can you complain about that? Red zone. Red zone target. No, that's weight room. That's what it's called. It's called weight room. That's exactly what it's called. That's all I'm going to say on that yeah. matter here. But, but listen up. But listen up. All listen right. up. Chris Godwin's hurt. Um, they're going to be looking for somebody else to come to come and step in and uh, uh, replace, you know, replace Chris Godwin for a little bit until he gets back. I'm going to stick with my guy. A lot of people don't know him, but he's been he's been he's been he's been at the at the Jags and he's been at Tampa Bay. It's the second time being I mean coming back with Tampa Bay, and I feel like you know he is a hard worker. He is a Dorsey Los Angeles uh, Los Angeles Dorsey product where I'm from by the name of J Don Mickens. He is a guy that they've been talking about since training camp. Okay. Uh, you know, he's their punt, he's a punt returner, kick slash kick returner. He's a guy that is a very hard worker, 
funny dude. Actually, we you know what? We need to go ahead and get Jadon on the on the on the on the, on the, uh, on the show as well, and let Tell him, him, to and hop let him on. speak his mind. Yeah, definitely. We definitely got to get him on there because he is definitely a hard worker. He's nothing that he's all about football. And I feel like, you know, they give him his chance and they throw him the ball. You're going to see a lot of special things come from him. I hope you're right. I'd actually love to have an opportunity to talk to him about that because I think Absolutely. he is a special guy as well. I, I recognize the name as well. I've seen, I remember him in Jacksonville a lot more than Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he definitely has some potential. Like he's a good returner, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see if what you said comes to truth. Um, going yeah. to the other side of the football here in Denver, just an abysmal game offensively. Jeff Driscoll was the starter for Denver, if you guys didn't know. 17 of 30, 176 yards, a touchdown interception. I don't really blame him because this team was decimated. I don't really blame anyone, frankly. Yeah. They, had a, they were playing a good football team with a very, very good defense. They didn't have a shot to begin with. They did their best. Melvin Gordon, it uh, carries 26 yards, no scores, 3.3 yards a carry. I mean, it, it, it was not a good day for the Denver offense, so we'll, we'll move on from this game. But I'm just saying, coming from a New England Patriots fan, coming from a Tom Brady fan, pump the brakes on the Bucks right now. Do they look good so yeah. far? Yeah. But just yeah. pump the brakes. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Once it starts getting a little bit, a little bit chilly out there, uh, well, not not for them, not not in their area. But when they have to start traveling out to go to some of these cold areas, it's going to get a lot of a little bit harder for them because you know you got Rob Gronkowski out there who actually uh, produced a little bit this game. Um, you know, old age is it's definitely going to play a part. The joints is not going to be uh, as squeaky and, and, and clean as, you know, they are when they're at home, especially with your boy Tom Brady, who you keep on giving a cop out to. I just criticized him for like 20 minutes, dude. What? <laughs> Come on. I'm trying I'm to be a, I'm, I want more. I want more from you. I know you do because you're still salty. He beat you in 49. Anyway, going to the next game here. Oh, <laughs> look at his face. Look at his face. If you watch on YouTube now, Chris just got so sad. He gave me, oh my God. He gave me the mean mug right there. That was scary. It's supposed to be right here. <laughs> it's supposed to be right here. I felt like Ladarius I had Webber. It all mapped out. I, I had felt it all mapped out. I just felt like, like Ladarius Webber to run block. Game. I was, was going to say that I'm married to the game. Man, I can't say that. <laughs> Oh, that, that, was, that, was, that was mean, actually. I'm sorry. That was, that was mean, Chris. I'm sorry. Going to the next game here, Arizona and Detroit. The surprise of Sunday, Matt Stafford and the Lions knock off MVP hopeful Kyler Murray 26-23. to Matt Stafford, Uncle Matt on the day, 22 of 31, 270 yards and two scores, no turnovers. And our guy, Adrian Peterson, all day, AP, 22 carries, 75 yards, no scores. While the numbers don't speak volumes when it comes to seeing those numbers at face value, he affected change in this game that won him the football game because Absolutely. he moved the chains when he needed to, especially in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and he did what he needed to do at a very old age to make sure they mm-hmm. knock off one of the more youthful elite teams in the NFL. So good on Adrian Peterson. I love seeing him succeed in this offense. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm definitely, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always been a, a big fan of uh, AP. You know, he's constantly proved that he is a top, he is a top uh, level running back every team that he's done went to. And when they keep on trading them, he keeps on getting better. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, overall, Detroit, yeah, they had a great, you know, they had a good game. Uh, I'm going to call it an okay game, um, you know, 
Matthew Stafford made some throws where his receivers just made him look good. Um, you can't really say too much about Detroit, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really a big fan of Detroit. How about my guy Kenny Galladay though? Six receptions for yeah, 57 yards and a touchdown. About. That's something that's you can say about. for in Detroit. I like Kenny Galladay a lot. He made. He made. He made a. He made especially. Uh, especially the one pass in the third quarter over the middle where he threw it a bit high, and I thought it was going to be a pick, and he jumped up out of nowhere and caught the ball and made a touchdown. I was like, okay, that guy is. <laughs> He no. is balling right now. He, that's look, how that's how that's how you get paid when you make your quarterback who's not looking as good look good. Mm-hmm. That's how you get paid. Let's just say he's good at football. We'll leave it there. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. good at football. <laughs> Going to Arizona side here. Kyler Murray had a tough day. 23 of yeah. 35, 270 yards, two scores, but three interceptions. Also added 29 yards on the ground on five carries. Detroit's defense actually played a great, great, great game against Kyler Murray and company. Jamie Collins, I think, affected change a little bit as well, even though he he had a kind of a limited role. Um, overall, my impressions, I think, is a fluke game. I think Detroit just played him very exceptionally hard um, in the desert this week. But do I see him affecting him in the, in the long term? No. I think Arizona probably still makes the playoffs. I, I think my prediction before the season was that three NFC West teams would make the playoffs. That still stands true. The Rams lost to the Bills, but they'll be fine. Arizona lost to Detroit. They'll be fine. Don't worry about the Cardinals just yet. But I will say, if Kyler Murray has another game of multiple interceptions, I'll start to get worried because their entire game is predicated on protecting the football and running the football. If you lose the possession battle, you lose the football game. That's how I look at it. So Arizona needs to care of the football overall, and if if they do, they will be fine. But a bright spot on this offense on a very, very dark day. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 receptions, 137 yards, and no scores. This dude continues to ball out his third straight game of 100 yards or more. I mean, this is the best receiver in football right now. Well, you, well, you see that he's learning. He's learning from one of the best that's still on the team with, with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. He's teaching us some things. I feel like, you know, that was like, uh, a match made in heaven, a blessing in the skies. If I was D Hop, and and they were letting and they were telling me I needed to go to Arizona, I would have been on the first flight. Yep. As soon as they had told me, I'd been on the first flight. I'd have called Larry Fitzgerald, like, let's work, mm-hmm. let's get this done. And I think that that's what they're doing over there. And you know, he's, he's learned how to be a professional, even though he already is one. He's he's learned how to be an even better one. Um, he's doing a great job. I just need I I, I pray. Because you know if it happens, you know it's a part of you know it's a part of his career. But you know D Hop, you know he does get hurt a couple times, you know a couple times out of the year. Um, let's just hope that it's never it's not in the crunch time where they actually need him. But overall, they have they had a they had a solid game. Kyler Murray, that's a fluke. I don't believe that. That's not yeah. gonna, I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, he's playing too. He's playing too good at a high level right now. Uh, but you know, next week we'll see what happens. Hundred percent. Going on the on the final game of Sunday night here, Green Bay and New Orleans. Now, before this game started, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to wipe the floor with the Saints because they're missing yeah. Michael Thomas again, and they just looked really, really poorly last week. But I will give the Saints some credit here. Drew Brees stayed in the game for them while they lost the game. They did show me a little bit of resilience without Michael Thomas there as their first option. Final score, 37, 30 Aaron Rodgers continues to go on an MVP tear 21 of 32, 283 yards and three scores. No 
turnovers. That's the name of the game. Aaron Rodgers does not give you the opportunity to beat him because he doesn't turn the ball over. He takes care of the football, and he scores consistently. And the biggest guy, I think, for him going forward right now is little-known Alan Lazard. Six receptions, 146 yards and a touchdown in absence of Devontae Adams. If Lazard can keep this up, this play up, when Devontae Adams is back on the field, and you mix in guys like Mercedes Lewis, who had a touchdown catch, when you mix in guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's had a great start to the season, this offense, as much as we ragged on the Green Bay Packers for not drafting a receiver in this draft, it's still looking deep and it's looking deadly. No, it is. It is. They, uh, they, look, they look amazing. Uh, Lazard is definitely going to be a, a, a solid number two for them once uh, uh, Adams comes back. And, you know, Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones, he's looking, he's looking good, even though I'll, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I don't, I, I still don't necessarily like him as much, but you know, he's definitely doing a great job with the, with the run game as well as being able to catch out the backfield, which is something that is really good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Valdez, he's, he's coming on. He's looking, he's looking good. Uh, they're all out there. They're looking good. But my thing my thing is, is like I, you know, like I said before, you know, Green Bay, they, they, they look good now, but as the later part of the season goes on, if you cannot stop anybody, it's going to be extremely hard. Now, now, let's just say this. Alvin Kamara is probably one of the most special running backs that's in the league playing right now. No argument for me. But you have to be able to tackle. Like, that is unexcusable. Professional athletes, especially especially when you're talking about defense, when you're supposed to be the focal point of that team, which where they put majority of their money in, you're supposed to be able to tackle. You're supposed to be able to stop people so you can give Aaron Rodgers the ball back to let him be great and do his thing. Uh they are gonna have they're gonna have a real problem if they don't address that uh, coming coming forth in, in these up and coming uh, this up and coming season. Hundred percent there. And actually, speaking to Aaron Jones's point here, he had 16 carries for 69 yards and a score on the ground as well. Kind of anchored that offense down when Aaron Rodgers was kind of having some ruts in the second and third quarter. So, shout out to Aaron Jones, who's playing phenomenal football right now. Going to the other side of the Great football goal. here, yeah. Drew Brees, 29 of 36, 288 yards and three scores, no turnovers. Took care of the football, did everything he possibly could. His defense let him down. Aaron, actually, and I want to argue that, actually. I want, I want to take that back a little bit here. Aaron Rodgers beat the defense. The defense didn't let Drew Brees down. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. going to phrase it like that. I'm going to say because the, the defense played as well as possible, as possible, I would say. But Aaron Rodgers made some superhuman throws that were just uncoverable. And, and that's just how the game works sometimes. Aaron Rodgers is showing you, and I'm going to agree with you here, Chris, why he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in NFL history. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, the Saints defense, they need to, they need to step it up as well because I've seen one play where, you know, Lazar went down um, and caught, caught a deep ball down the right side of the field. He, I mean, when he crossed the field and caught it on the right side of the field, he almost scored, which I honestly feel like he should have, If you know. But, you know, that's another story. But he mm-hmm. should have scored. But I, I watched that play, and I seen the defense, and they were in a zero – they were in a zero blitz. And the safety is sitting playing outside technique. Uh, 
and cover zero. And we know that that's not what you're supposed to do. He right. gave you a simple stick and then took it across the field. And then Aaron Rodgers just made an amazing throw like he always does. Uh, that That's just unexcusable for the Saints. Uh, they need to fix that, you know. Be a, be a little bit more sound technique in in your in your coverages and and on your technique and stuff like that. But overall, I feel like you know Saints the Saints are going to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. 29, 29 of thirty. What did you say? Twenty nine, thirty two uh, passing. Thirty six passing that uh, that Drew Brees had. I feel like twenty of those passes went to Alvin Kamara. Which right and, so and I will say right now he was targeted fourteen <laughs> times. He caught thirteen yeah. of them. Caught thirteen yes. of them for one hundred and thirty nine yards and two scores receiving. Just an it's, unbelievable day for Alvin Kamara. Absolutely, it seemed like every time Drew Brees dropped back, he was going directly to Alvin Kamara, and, and he was catching the ball. So I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't throw him the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. There. Yeah, I don't. Understand, but but then you still got. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who's out there. Well, you so, know, he's... so I will say here, Brees tried to find him. I think the Green Bay Packers did a good job at hiding him a little bit. But yeah. he, still had, he still had four receptions for 56 yards and a score. Not a terrible yeah. day. It definitely, I think it's yeah. a building day. It's a chemistry day for Drew Brees and company to kind of get their offense synchronized and everything. Because when Michael Thomas is in this system, it changes drastically. Kamara is not Absolutely. outside as much. Emmanuel Sanders is maybe not getting as many targets. So they need to find a happy medium where they can spread the ball around because if they don't, they're going to be in trouble come postseason time. Yeah, but, they, but, see, that's, but, but see, that's my thing. While, while Thomas is out right now, I feel like, honestly, I feel like Emmanuel Sanders, who was a number one receiver, a number one proven receiver in this NFL leagues with the Denver Broncos, uh, he can still ball. He can still flat out run, yes, which is amazing to me. Uh, 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 Considering the injuries that he's had, you know, these past couple, these past couple of years, it just shows that he it shows a testament of uh, how much a professional he is and how much he takes serious of his craft and his body. Uh, we need Emmanuel Sanders. I need Emmanuel Sanders to get the ball more. So when Michael Thomas does come back in, they're not just so focused on Michael Thomas because that's just gonna that's just gonna put more pressure on Michael Thomas to make the plays and then put him in harm's way a little bit more when you just come off an injury that might re-injure something or have a whole new injury. So I feel like that would need that needs to be addressed. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with having a three-headed monster, you know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a four-headed monster because uh, Latavius Murray mm-hmm. was having a good you. game. I could I cannot moving the ball. I could not agree with you more. The Saints, and I kind of try to say this, I don't know if I expressed it well enough, the Saints need to spread the ball around in order to win in the playoffs. Yes. And you saw it last year. You saw it the year before. You saw it the year before even that. They can't be one-dimensional or else they run the risk Absolutely. of being sent home very, very early. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Sean Payton, I think Sean Payton will have, will have something figured out. Even though, you know, even though it hasn't worked out, success, I mean, the success hasn't uh, worked out much for uh, Sean Payton. Uh, with you know his offense down the stretch of the uh, down the stretch in, uh, of these past seasons, but um, if he wants if he wants that ring, which he's dying to get so bad for his golden boy quarterback Drew Brees, he needs to be able to spread the ball around a little bit more. I agree with you there. Going to Monday Night Football, and this was kind of a shock to me. I thought it'd be a shootout yeah. all the way through. I thought it'd be in the forties, even the, the final score, but. The Chiefs just make a statement win, 34-20 to 20 over the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson came after the game and said, they're our kryptonite. 
That's very interesting because I think that the whole goddamn league's kryptonite the way they're playing right now. Claude <laughs> Edwards, Edwards Hilaire as a whole another dynamic to this offense they didn't have last year. And it's scary because you really didn't think the offense can get that much better, and it's already that much better. The Ravens defense yeah. is playing staunch all season. One of the best units in the NFL, bar none. And the Chiefs made him look like they were a pop warner. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Mahomes, 31 of 42 for 385 yards, four scores, no picks. What more can you do? I feel like I feel like they're biting. I, I feel like I feel like they're uh, slapping their own hands right now for uh, releasing Earl Thomas, even though that you know what happened in there um, wasn't the ideal thing to do by Earl Thomas. But at the same time, come on now, like the Ravens, they're not, we're we're not going to sit here and say that they're like the the go the the great team to go to that had a clean slate. They've had problems before with plenty of players back in the day, especially with one in particular who sit, who sits on TV and talks like he's just uh, so, so clean cut and nothing is wrong with him at all, but is a Hall of Famer. It allowed him to stay there and grow and get better as a person, which I'm so happy for because I, for one, I'm not going to bring his name up because we all should know who we're, you know, who I'm talking about. But, um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a great guy. Um, but they allowed him to grow. So why wouldn't you allow a guy like Earl Thomas, who, who, who didn't even come, who's not even coming close to a couple of other players that they had back in the, back in the day who had problems, uh, uh-huh. who had problems on their team? I agree with you there, 100%. You make the numbers here, though. The Chiefs had four players. Actually, I'll, I'll extend this here. Five players of 60 yards receiving or more. Sammy Watkins, seven receptions for 62 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie, five receptions for 70 yards. Tyree Kill, five receptions for 77 yards and a score. Mecole Hardman, four receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. And Travis Kelsey capped the day off with six receptions for 87 yards and no scores, only on seven targets. This team can beat you any way they want to. They dictate the game, and it's scary what they can do when they're at full strength. It's terrifying. Going to the Ravens. It looks like they're playing college football. That's what it looks like. You're looking at Tyreek Hill. He's motioning across. Then he goes behind the quarterback, fakes one way, goes back the other way. He's setting people up. Defense is rocking down because they're scared of his speed. They don't know if he's gonna get the quick pitch and to go, you know, the, the quick pitch to the outside. Uh, and, and he's not. He's sitting up here, you know, being patient. You know, Patrick Mahomes is 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 he's having a season. I don't. <laughs> when we're talking about when we're talking about Russell Wilson and and Lamar Jackson and you know all these D and all these guys who are who are rightfully so, are really good players, you know, it just looks like to me that Patrick Mahomes is just miles ahead of them. Yeah, and the Chiefs defense, I think, played out of their freaking mind on Monday night as well. Yes, they did. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 28, only 97 yards through the air and a touchdown. No picks, however. On the ground, he added 83 yards on nine carries. They neutralized Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense, without Frank Clark, without two starting middle linebackers, without overall strength on the defensive end. That is so impressive. I can't overstate how much that impresses me. Lamar Jackson is an MVP-type quarterback for a reason. 
and the Chiefs made him look like he was an average player. That's a very Absolutely. hard thing to do, and I give them now, all gotta, the credit I, in the world. I also, I also want to say, uh, Mark Andrews, bro, you hurt me this weekend with <laughs> your play. I am, I, I was so high on you, bro, that. I took you in the second round, and you <laughs> played. It just wasn't a good game. The week before, you didn't have a good game. It was an average game. Like, we need you to step back up, bro. I need you to step back up and play the game that I know you can play. I know Hards is going to be on you this week, you know. Rightfully so, he should because you didn't have a great game. But, you know, come on, man. Come back so I can get some high numbers for you, bro. 100%. I'm with you there. We're going to go on our next picks here. Week three is done. It's officially in the books. It's over, Chris. It's over. We're on to week what, four. What's the score? What was the score? What was the score? What was the score? What did you get? What, what did you get? What did I get? Um, I lost three games and a tie. Three games. And, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So, okay. You, oh, I don't even want to know what your record was. I think it was a little bit lower. Yeah, I got to check. I got to check it. I got to check it. It's all right. Well, right now, I think, I think you're still up two games. I think that's what that match Absolutely. works out to. I think you're up two I'm games. I'm not worried about losing. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. It's the competitive juices in me, man. It's yeah, you're being, pretty, you're being pretty cocky for someone who beat you by seven games last week. I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to say. Anyway, going to the next docket here. Week four starts on Thursday night football with the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. Yeah. And I don't know who to pick in this game because Drew Locke is probably going to be out again. Corlin Sutton's out for the year, and Philip Lindsay's going to go on IR. Do I trust the Jets to not mess it up enough to get the W? And it pains me to say, I'm going to pick the New York Jets. And, and I never thought I'd say that the entire year. But just considering all the devastating injuries in Denver, I have to go with the Jets on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Denver Broncos. You still got Von Miller out there, who is a leader of that team. Still out there causing havoc. So I'm definitely going with Denver. It's going to be a hard, it's going to be a slow game though, for sure. That's going to hurt me, I think, coming back at me. I, if I lose that game, can you make fun of me, please? Like write it down. Just like make fun of me picking uh, the Jets. I'll write it down right now. All right, just make fun of me. I'm telling you right now because I I feel pretty disgusted with myself. I actually had to pick the Jets in the game this year. So <laughs> anyway, going to Sunday, one o'clock slate here. The Buccaneers and the Chargers. Justin Herbert, presumably the starter, still. And this is a good football game, I think. I think the Bucks, you know, kind of – I think the Bucks edged out here because the Chargers' defense looked really pitiful against Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't really see them faring as well when it comes to covering Mike Evans, when it comes to covering Gronk, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, and that running back stable. I'm going to go yeah. with Tom Brady and the Bucks there. Yeah, I'm going to definitely go with the Chargers. And uh, the only reason why I'm going with the Chargers is because of the second-half performance that the Bucks. Uh, showed us, okay. didn't fair. show me that they're going to be able to comp uh, to put a whole complete game together. No matter who you got out there, if you can't put it all together, it's not going to work for you. So I'm definitely going to go with the Chargers in, the defense, in their defense. Next game on the docket here, the Browns and the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Easy call. Easy call. I, it should be an easy call. But if Dak Prescott blows this game, after you know his performance in Seattle, it was so amazing. Yes, he lost the game, but he carried that team on his back. If he loses to the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to have some serious concerns moving forward if Dak Prescott's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. I'm still picking Dallas, though. Okay. 
I, I, I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to entertain that. I'm just going to say Dallas. Okay. Next game on the dog here, the Ravens and the Washington Football Team. Ravens, no discussion here. Yeah, Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens as well. They're going to have. They're going to have that. They're going to have the chip on their shoulder just off of losing to the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to come back. The defense wasn't looking too good. Um, they're going to have to put. They're going to have to put a mud hole in uh, mm-hmm. in Washington. The game I'm looking forward to most on the one o'clock slate here: the Steelers and the Titans. Both three and zero, both playing phenomenal football, and this is such a tough game for anyone to pick. I think I think it's going to be half and half across the board for every analyst out there mm-hmm. because it's a toss-up game. Can the Steelers defense, who's playing phenomenally, stop Derrick Henry? Can Ryan Tannehill be you know kind of contained in that defense? I think so. But the bigger question is how will Ben Roethlisberger fare against the Tennessee Titans defense? I'm going to go with the Steelers here. Yeah, I'm going with the Steelers as well. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think that you know Tannehill is going to be able to uh, pass much on his defense. Like I said, you know, once you once you become one dimensional, it's kind of hard to win games. Uh, you know, like that. So I'm definitely going to go with the Steelers. Next on the docket, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. I'm going with uh, Seattle here, although. I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them a little bit of run, run for their money here because it is – actually, no, it's technically October now. It's technically October and when the game happens, right? Are we, are we, are we, can you check the calendar here? Hey, Double-check on this. That will affect my pick. It's October 3rd on Sunday. I still think Fitzpatrick gives you a, a game because it's early enough in the season, but it's Seattle. I think Seattle still gets W there. Yeah, I think Seattle's going to wipe them. I don't think it's going to be even close, to be honest with you. That's fair enough. I mean, it very well could be like that, but I'm just saying it's early enough in the year with Fitzpatrick. He still has a little bit of Fitz magic left in him. So I'm going to go with – I'm still going with Seattle, but I just, th- I just think Fitzpatrick might actually have a pretty good game. Wait, is it, is, it, is it in Miami or is it in Seattle? I think it's in Miami. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, it's going to be. No, it, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter anyway. Like Seattle's no, still going to win. Oh, well, it does matter. It does matter. Does it though? It depends on, you know. <sighs> I don't, I don't think it matters. I, th- I think Seattle still wins anyway, but I'm just saying, I think Fitzmatrick is going to win. It's just, the, it's, just, it's just how much are they going to win by. I think yeah, that's fair. Probably, they'll probably end up winning by like three times. That's fair. The battle of the disappointments, the Vikings and the Texans, I think it's going to turn into a shootout. And I think Deshaun Watson gets the first W on the year for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think Houston will finally get that win that they need. Uh, you know, they'll be able to exploit some coverages out there because of that 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 uh, that defense is not looking too hot. But at the same time, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical because that boy Justin Jefferson definitely showed me something to where that offense might change and it might. You know what? I'm 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 going I'm going I'm going with the Texans. You going with the Texans? Yeah, I'm going with the Texans. All right. Final word there, I guess. The Saints and the Lions, which actually might be a better game than people give it credit for. I'm still going to go with the Saints there, but I think Matt Stafford actually has a pretty good day as well. Yeah, I think, I think the Saints will, uh, you know, that's going to be a wash as well. I'm, going, I'm definitely going with the Saints on that one. One o'clock games are starting to wind down here. The Jaguars and the Bengals. The Bengals are 0-2-1. Get yeah. their first W. Joe Burrow shows out. And finally shows the NFL community that he can get a victory regardless of circumstance surrounding the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals. 
Yeah, I'm definitely gonna go with Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is gonna be is gonna be a little bit. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna give uh, Joe Burrow's a little trouble on that defense, uh, especially with the you know the the the, the countless blitzes that they're being able to show um, on that defensive side. So I'm gonna go with Jacksonville. The Colts and the Bears, one o'clock game here. This is very interesting. I'm going to go with the Bears here, even though I just call them frauds. I'm going to go with the Bears here because Phillip Rivers has looked really, really pedestrian. He hasn't showed me literally nothing. He was actually replaced by Jacoby Brissett uh, towards the end of that football game. And I think the Bears just squeak out a W here. I'm not really looking forward to watching this football game because I just don't think it's a very exciting game in general. But I, I think I'll go with the Bears here. Yeah, I'm going with the Bears as well. Uh, this is going to be another one of those uh, sleeper games that you might fall asleep on. Uh, and just pray that they come out with a win at the end. Yeah, 100%. The Cardinals and the Panthers, Kyler Murray bounces back and, and takes off Teddy Bridgewater's head. I'm going with the Cardinals here. Absolutely. Going with Arizona, Kyle, Kyler Murray needs to have a bounce back game. And, you know, with the vest that he has around him, I'm pretty sure they're going to have him focus and, uh, you know, in, have his head in the right area. Yeah. Rams and Giants, Rams, I mean, the Giants don't have the, the weapons to compete with them. They, they don't have the, the, the offensive line. They don't have the weapons around Daniel Jones. And the defense is looking pedestrian as ever. The Rams just win this game. They, they, no, if, this, if it's any game on the docket, this is a wipe. This is the wipe we can look out for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going with the Rams as well. The defense is going to smash. The Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs 425 football. Who are you going with, Joe? <laughs> this is such a tough game. Oh my god! And it's funny. This morning I was actually watching uh, first take, and Max Kellerman uh, and Stephen A. Smith both said the Patriots were the number one threat to the Chiefs in the AFC, and I would actually agree with that because of coaching and a number and a number of other factors. I'm still going to go with the Chiefs, but I'm praying I'm wrong. I am praying I'm wrong. You're going against your team. Come on, Second, Joe. but hey, you know what? I have to. That's why. That's why I told you. That's why I told you, man. You might, you might start becoming a Seahawks fan. We're gonna start seeing Seahawks signs in the background. Uh, I don't you know. know. I don't know. You'll be out way out there in Boston. They're gonna be like, man, you, you, you over there with the Seahawks? Like, yeah, man. My guy Chris put me on. I mean, like, if they're paying my paychecks, I don't care. If Seattle's paying my paychecks, <laughs> I don't care. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Exactly. Going I'm going Chris? to see all the way. I, even though I think it's gonna be a good game. Uh, I feel like, you know, Cam's going to be doing a little bit more running than, uh, uh, you know, than his previous week, all because of injuries due to Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, Kansas City's going to pull it out. Bills, Raiders at 425. I'm going to go with the Bills here. I think the Raiders had a kind of a rut against New England here. I think they kind of showed the blueprint on how to stop this offense. If Henry Ruggs is back, he's a little bit battered. The Bills' secondary, I trust enough to contain him as much as possible. I'm going with Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Buffalo as well. Uh, I think I think they've already proved enough that they can. Uh, they've proved enough that we can safely say that this will be a good. Uh, this will be a win for them. Yeah, and the final two games in the docket really disappoint me here. Sunday night football, eight twenty. The Eagles and the 49ers. What a gross game! I'm going with the 49ers. <laughs> yes, sir. We're going with the 49ers. I think we're going to go out there and show them uh, once again that we are the team to beat even when we don't have anything that's just a testament to our, our coaching staff and how hard we work and you know how really uh, how good L, uh, california players are compared to everybody else in the you know in the states <laughs> uh <laughs> you know this is this is gonna be a game for sure but you know san Fran is winning and monday night football the packers and the falcons 
I think Aaron Rodgers might drop 40 points on this defense. I'm not really – I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers in the pack here. Yeah, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers in the – you know, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers in the Packers. They're doing a great job. Um, you know, it might be – actually, it might be a close game because both defenses are, are not looking re- really good right now. But, you know, it might, it'll be a high-scoring game for sure. So, I think uh, I'm going to go with Green Bay, but – It'll be close. And that wraps up Stafford and Matthews' picks for week four here. I'm two games behind. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now because Chris Matthews is actually an NFL veteran, Super Bowl, you know, hero. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. I'm 20 years old. I'm in college. I'm feeling pretty good. You should feel good. You should feel good. Until this, until after these games show and – and they show that I'm the clear-cut winner again, then, you know, you might feel you a certain are, type of way again. These past couple episodes, you coming from my neck, Chris. I do something to you? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, hey. um, before we wrap up here, Chris, any final thoughts? Uh, just check out the Boston Big Three uh, uh, website. Go get some merch, man. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I can't wait to get my uh, Cam Newton sweater, even though, yeah, I'm not a real big, I'm not a real big Patriots fan, but it looks nice. I like it. I like him. I support him. Let's go. My final thought is I want a shadow box of Chris Matthews jersey right there on my wall. That's what I want. I'm waiting for him to send it my way. I want it signed too, Chris. No, 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 no lazy shit right there. Yeah, no, I got you. All right, Stafford and Matthews, episode four. Hopefully next next time we see you, we'll actually be joined by a guest. Um, whether that's Tyler Lockett, whether it's somebody else, we'll make it a surprise. Stafford and Matthews, yes, episode four, wrapping up. See you guys next time. Love.